Warning, this podcast contains scenes of explicit nonsense and lore. Previously on the Resident Evil podcast. The only thing that could actually make it pop up on search engines was when I typed in Jill Valentine shower scene. And apparently that was the the, <laughs> the kicker. And he, he said to me, it's just like, we could shoot a feature. With the money that this has, we could shoot a feature right now. He didn't play the game. He just, he said, like, get excited about something, do it. He was not following somebody else's recipe. He made his own dinner with that script. Resident Evil, not just because he loved the property, but because he had worked so hard on it. Constantine has owned the film right to Resident Evil for almost as long as the franchise has existed. And welcome to episode 81 of the Resident Evil podcast. Nearly 11 years of Resident Evil podcasting, 11 years of lore, and certainly a lot of nonsense. I'm Nick, better known as Neptune, Megalodonning as your podcast host. Let's see who's joining us today. This Sean Hall is dangerous. It stars Tyrant. Yo. Are you a building in the Resident Evil universe but lack credibility? Then you need a connection to George Trevor. Good evening. Hello. What's that, Skip? We have a guest from Australia. And, she, and she's stuck in an old mine shaft after ripping off Robbie's face. Guest. Happy Smelly. Hello. We're very delighted for Happy to join us. He's a long-term uh, Discord uh, member, if you fancy joining our Discord, and we're delighted to have her views on this very special podcast. Yes, at long last, ladies and gentlemen, it is our 10-year retrospective of Operation Raccoons. It's actually 10 and a half years now, isn't it, really? <laughs> but never mind, we were preoccupied with many Resident Evil activities. But we're here focusing on what was certainly an interesting experiment back in 2012, which first graced the PlayStation 3 and Xbox and later PC. And we reviewed this back in 2012 in episode 3. Can you believe it? Have our minds changed in the subsequent decade? Before that, we'll have all the latest news and we finish off with another edition of Neptune's Biohazard Quiz. So let's turn to the news. The first bit of news, believe it or not, a quick chat about Resident Evil Netflix being cancelled. Yes, we're that, we're that behind on our live action news, but there we go. Um, so people would have known it's been cancelled after one series. A lot of anger, I think, is probably the best term from some of the, um, from the creators. A lot of people have expressed an interest in seeing the storyline progress. But sadly, Netflix have kicked the, uh, kicked the project off their schedules. Perhaps not a surprise. Stars Tyrant, you're quite up on the uh, on Netflix's action points and how they develop with their with their programs were you surprised a, a little bit i mean i don't actually know the ins and outs of like what it takes a show to be renewed but just looking at the um just looking at the the data god it was in the top 10 most streamed shows for like i think something like 6 or 7 weeks after its release which mm. for something like that to have those kind of legs is quite impressive as much as i have to say the show didn't work for me and it i'm not going to pretend it, it it didn't work for me at all and I'm, you know i'm not 
particularly overly saddened about its demise but I, I think it's a shame because I know a lot of people did find you know find some merit to it and it just now means you've got an unfinished show mm. um, because they said there was so much of that first series particularly as it was working toward its finale was set up for you know an inevitable second season which they're now never going to get and it just leaves a bit of an empty feeling for those invested in the characters and the storylines and that's always you know irrespective of what show it is whether it's Resident Evil or anything else it's always there is always a sadness attached to a show never getting a chance to potentially improve lots of shows find their footing particularly in the second season which this show's never going to get a chance to do now so it is, it is a shame it is a shame uh, happy as i guess what was your views on on the netflix show and its cancellation do you think it was a bit of a victim of believing it would have more series because it didn't, as Sean says, it didn't really wrap up the storylines that it was dealing with in the first one. No, it went out confident, didn't it? I really liked the show, actually. I didn't really have a big problem with it at the end of the day. I just took it for an alternate universe. I was hoping for a second season, but I wasn't really that surprised, honestly. I don't know anything about how Netflix renews their seasons or anything like that. But yeah, no, I wasn't really surprised because people did not like it. <laughs> that's polite. Yeah, I think that's a polite way of saying there was a bit of, I, bit of fan anger. Yeah, there was a bit, yeah. <laughs> a lot of it not certainly not not justified. No, I think people went overboard a bit, but like that's just me. I thought it was always meant to be like an alternate universe, but that being said, didn't somebody say that somebody marketed it I, as being like part of it, <laughs> part of the game? Yeah, I, I think that was one of its biggest issues, and I think Welcome to Raccoon City mm. kind of suffered the same sort of fate. They said yes, it's different, but Resident Evil Zero to Village are its backstory. And you go, yeah, okay, I didn't right. see that. Yeah, no, I didn't no. see that. So I saw like the whole series is just its own thing. But I was surprised that yeah, no, they didn't give it another go. It's but also not. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> now, George, you've you've been in, you've interviewed one of the special effects supervisors for Crimson Head, didn't you? Yeah, I was kind of hoping you'd forgotten about that because uh, Kevin Ingenfaster, <laughs> because he actually mentioned during that podcast. Uh, some of the requirements that a show had to fulfil in order to get a second season, and I've forgotten. There was a particular number in terms of how many viewership, and if it didn't, I think something about, I think it was something to do with a quarter of a million within the first couple of weeks or something, I'm not quite sure, but um, he, he was very well aware that Netflix at that point was two weeks after the show, and he was very concerned because a lot of the time, two weeks after the, the finale, a second season would have been announced, and they hadn't. He was well aware that they hadn't sort of met the audience figures. There was a certain figure they had to hit, which they didn't make. I'm kind of in two minds because I kind of really wanted to see a second season and just just to frustrate you know the sort of the sexist and the racist you know commentaries that kind of masqueraded as reviews but at the same time I don't want to see bad writing re- rewarded and there was some very bad writing mm. in the show uh it was a shame because it did there were some aspects of the show it was really doing right for me but ultimately I think it, it just came down to the the bad writing and characterization but there you no know, it is a shame it kind of leaves it almost a sour taste in the mouth because I think it had a lot of undue unjustified criticism and its heart was in the right place uh, it, was, it was trying to do something different, uh, at whilst kind of doing a nod, you know, to to, to the canon in certain areas. Uh, yeah, so it's a shame. Yet again, another RE, you know, script falls by the wayside. Next bit of news comes from the world of Nintendo. That's right. So uh, Resident Evil 2 Remake, 3 Remake, 7 and Village is coming out on the Nintendo Switch console. How? I hear you ask. Well, it's coming through their cloud system, which absolutely works all the time, 100% guaranteed. But that's coming out on the 2nd of December and a demo of Resident Evil Village is now available. I don't own a Switch. Even if I did, I certainly wouldn't be subscribing to a cloud service. Sean, you do own a Switch. Have you been tempted to go portable? Um. But 
it's nice that the options there and yes. i have been I have been meaning to um try out the you know the cloud demo but i just uh, yeah it, it it it's been it's been a couple of months folks yeah we're a bit behind <laughs> george any any comments on on the switch release tickle your taste um, I, well no i don't have a switch i'm like you i absolutely abhor digital downloads you know particularly resident evil that i collect you know a series that's beloved to me i, I have to own physical copies but I, I think it's great that the option is there and i got very excited when i heard that i potentially could play village on my desktop on my laptop but it, it, my laptop crashed when i tried to but <laughs> happy uh, what about you oh same i don't have a switch i was born playing a playstation and i'll die playing, play, <laughs> playing a playstation like no but it's good like more the merrier <laughs> That's a beautiful segue into the next bit of news. Again, PlayStation related here. PSVR 2 was also shown off by Sony relatively recently. And that includes the update on the VR mode for Resident Evil Village. Uh, showing off the dual-wielding dual guns, the throwing-the-knife ability, which looks quite good fun, whilst also kind of indicating what we can expect with the VR2 headset. It's 4K HDR OLED lenses. It looks absolutely stunning in VR, and I, there's a few people got to test it. I think Alex even got to play it in a game show, uh, CVX Free, and he's, yeah, I think he was pretty impressed, certainly by the size of Lady Dimitrescu, her height, I mean her height. And, uh, yeah... <laughs> I yes, think it's, it's going to be <laughs> it's going to it's going to be an experience. Now again, I'll, I'll turn back to you, Sean. You are a VR owner. You, you're, you're a, a great ambassador of Resident Evil Seven on VR. We all know you're be- going to be tempted with VR too. Yeah, uh, I'm pleased to announce that uh, I'm launching a GoFundMe uh, <laughs> for the for the inevitable four to five hundred pounds. I'm I'm anticipating the kit to be. I'm going to absolutely <laughs> pick it up at some point, but the, the the cost of it because this looks to be quite a high end VR kit in terms yes. of like you know 4K screens and you you know and uh, attached to your eyeballs and things like that and um yeah it's not going to be cheap and it that that devastates me because village is going to be an experience in VR I think it's almost depressing to know that it's not going to be people's first time through that game because I just think of um, sections like Beneviento you know doing that for the first time in VR would have I think been absolutely unforgettable um, it's still going to have some impact and some some joy but it'll certainly be diminished because everybody knows what the scares are and whatnot. but as an experience I think the game will be great it looks like it builds on all the mechanics like Resident Evil 4 VR have with the dual wielding and stuff so if they're building on that Resident Evil 4 VR is fantastic it, it's going to be the definitive way to play the game I've known doubt no but it's will be on my pay grades um i don't do playstation really uh, uh, anyway unless i have to um and uh but i mean i, I mean i'm looking forward to it i mean i a highlight resident evil podcast stream for me was i always remember watching stars battling marguerite baker doing resident evil 7 vr which looked at just looked an incredible experience sean yeah absolutely yeah it's a highlight of the game to be honest uh, happy are you going to be living vicariously through sean with vr too <laughs> probably like games like that i can't do on vr they they give me a headache i can only do like racing simulators on vr um something sitting down otherwise i sort of spin out and i can't do it which is a real shame because it looks really cool in vr yeah you reminded me i did um i i managed yeah egx the game show 
uh, over here in, in England when RE7 was promoting. I managed to get Sony. Uh, I managed to get into one of the pods, the RE7 pods, and I did. I mean, it, yeah, I did um, the bit where you have to hide as Mia from Marguerite, and it was incredible. But I almost passed out there. I actually, they actually took me out and had to give me some water after about yeah. thirty seconds. I was literally really yeah. Oh, the, it was beyond any motion sickness I've experienced with Resident Evil Five. Mm-hmm. It was unbelievable. But it's not for that, just before I was about to pass out, though, the experience is extraordinary. I mean, incredible. Mm. You could say you had a, re- a hyper-realistic experience, really, then. The, the, <laughs> <laughs> the scare factor was that much I passed out. Uh. We'll be ending the news with some good news, uh, and news for um, most players. The announcement of the Resident Evil sh- next showcase uh, was recently dropped by Capcom. No release date at the point of recording, but we can expect some updates on Resident Evil 4 remake. Um, I don't know what else, actually. What else, are we, what, what else are we expecting at showcase? How dare you forget Reverse? <laughs> Absolute shame on you, Nick. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I haven't even put it in my notes about Reverse. That's shocking. Reverse. <laughs> It's the 25th anniversary celebration a year late. <laughs> oh, dear. That's shameful. Apologies. Reverse. Yes, it's coming, apparently. Oh, dear. Well, I, I can't imagine that they might do something on Village, mightn't they? They might, it might be. They might drop Showcase just before Shadows of Rose comes out, I suppose. Because they said October, didn't they? So I, I'll be, yeah. They might do one final trailer that tells you the entire storyline. As not Is that like the ultimate... The ultimate viral marketing, like reverse, literally, its its scheduled release date has been put back in reverse. <laughs> <laughs> reverse by name, reverse by name. I am look, yeah. oddly looking forward to reverse in in a, in a funny sort of way because it was so cheesy and it knew it just knew what it was. Um, I, I I I kind of enjoyed the the, the beta, which surprised. Yeah, Oracle me Dragon played it and had she, she yeah she really liked it. I, remember, I, had, um, I had a blast with it to be honest. <laughs> As long as you go in with a mindset, it's just a, a, a silly arena-based shooter like, you know, Unreal Tournament or something, it's fine. I think Capcom's biggest problem is they tend to market these things up as being really, really good. And it's like, yeah. this is the, the next big thing, Project Resistance. Oh, my God, it's getting its own launch trailer. It's getting all these characters and profiles. It's going to be the best. And you load it up. And it's sandwich. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And it's like, it's just a little fun side game. It's like battle mode on the Sega Saturn version. It's just something to keep you occupied whilst you, you know, whilst you finish the main game. Yeah, you're right. So similar to what was that thing that came out with Resident Evil 3? I can't believe uh, the Al Yang's. Resistance. The Resistance, yeah. Pro- Resistance. Yes, yes. Yeah. Project yeah, Resistance, they, yeah. They, they did it too much. But uh, Happy, are you looking forward to the show uh, showcase? What, what What's your excitement levels for remake four. Oh, i don't know how to process it to be honest i'm getting there honestly yeah like i am looking forward to it i need to just relax and just it's happening and i'll play it because of course i will so it's fine stars you you love a good remake of a game uh, that's on the same on the same generation Um, (laughs) yeah. yeah um I'm not going to go down this avenue again. I waved the white flag in the last episode and no one wants to hear this kind of stuff. I'm more interested in seeing what the approach is going to be with regards to the original. Obviously, with it now being confirmed that it's coming out on PS4, Yes. News for everybody. We're going to have physical version of the same same named game. It's not even, you know, like, it's not even a case of, like, The Last of Us because, well, no, because they're on separate PS4, PS5. Anyway, yes, yes, so this is going to be one of the first sort of real times you, you've got a, a game that doesn't even have, like, a remake subtitle. It's two versions 
of Resident Evil 4 are going to be available physically, potentially next to each other on the, on the shelf in stores. And it's going to be really interesting to see whether the original gets delisted. I don't think it will, because I just think that's silly. But it's still going to have to... It's going to require a certain approach. Mm. Uh, and it's going to be really interesting to see how that, how, that, how that plays out. Or do they go down the route like Final Fantasy VII, which actually I mean, called it Remake? <laughs> I suppose you could argue like the original Doom and Doom 2016 are both just called Doom and they're available on the PlayStation Store. There's and nothing to differentiate them apart from like the thumbnails and things like that. Well, when you look at like like Resident Evil and Resident Evil Tomb Raider, like on my PS3, when it comes up in the digital list, they're just, they use different capitalizations. <laughs> so Tomb Raider 2013 will be like Tomb Raider in all capitals and then Tomb Raider 96 will just be capital T, capital R. So maybe that's oh. all it'll be, just be a different capitalization. Last bit of news is possibly the most exciting bit of news, and that's uh, only been announced uh, today, I believe. The announcement of the Seamless HD project, certainly getting a bit of an upgrade. Sean, over to you. So this is very exciting. This is the 2.0 update, which uh, the the team, Kyle, obviously, uh, we've talked about him quite a bit, and Mo Artist, uh, and uh, another chap that they've brought on board called Dozer D, I think his name is. This is the 2.0 update for Resident Evil 2 and 3, and this is contains a load of refinements to the upscale, and they've re- literally reworked every background. They've not, I don't even think they've added on to the work they've done previously. It's been redone from scratch um, using like updated technologies, because the great thing about like the AI upscaling is it's improving every year. Every year, it, you know, there's, there's new ways of upscaling, there's new programs, and this is the 2.0 update, and it's very, very monumental, because it's obviously available for Dolphin emulators for the GameCube version, but this is the first time this is paired up with the Gemini Classic Rebirth patches. So finally, we actually have this pack, this Seamless HD project, working in conjunction with the Classic Rebirth Source Next PC versions, which are very, very low on resources. You don't, you don't need a, an overly powerful PC to run them. You certainly don't need a, a powerful, as powerful a PC as Dolphin, you know, to run Dolphin um, as you would do the original Source Next. And because it's the Classic Rebirth patches, you've got quality of life improvements for Resident Evil 2, like 180 degree turns. You've got tactical reloads for two and three so what you've effectively got now is the definitive version of resident evil two and three if you use it in conjunction with the classic rebirths i've had a little bit of a chance to test the the packs kyle uh, kindly sent me preview builds the work is absolutely exceptional i cannot praise this team enough yeah. And for those who know how pro- dear to this, dear to my heart, this project is, 1969 is nowhere to be seen in any background. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I can't recommend it enough. Please, just please, just support this team. Give them all your love. Uh, tell you know, tell them how good you think the work is, because I know everybody will find it exceptional. It's it truly is the definitive way to play these games now. And the more popularity it gets, the more chances that Capcom might decide to you know follow suit or or do something with the with the original games as well. If yeah, if you're unsure where to go, it is literally just reshdp.com, uh, or just check our socials and things like that because we retweet it enough times and, and bang on about it enough. Uh, we're very fond of the project here. Just from an art point of view, I can appreciate you know going through looking at the RE3 and the IG, you know the streets of Raccoon City, uh, you know the zombies, you know the the the, the UBCS, you know lying dead in the in the uh, in Raccoon City Hospital, you know just wonderful wonderful scenes and locations that are just realised in just stunning stunning detail now. So that there's been an improvement on that with this this 2.0 update. I can't wait to see those backdrops. 
no, I don't have a PC either, so I can't play it. But no, it looks absolutely stunning. I've thoroughly enjoyed um, seeing all the all the pictures and videos, people playing it and stuff. What's come out already? No, it's beautiful. They've done amazing work. Mm. So they've they've redone they've from scratch yet again they've redone all the backdrops. Essentially, yeah. I mean, I, probably not every single one because some yeah. of them had some quite extensive custom texture, you know, like t- t- text work and things like that. So I don't know whether they've done some of them, but a lot of the problematic Resident Evil Two backgrounds, which had some melting artifacts, I suppose is the word you would use. They've pretty much all been cleaned up now because the technology, you know, bearing in mind when this project was for the first time I streamed RE2 was 2019, I think. So we've had three years worth of AI technologies just getting better and better and better. And the the clarity that they're starting to get to now without the need of like manual tweaking and, and whatnot is it's is getting powerful. And the great thing about the, the seamless HDP team is they don't just run it through an upscaler and say job done. They go in by hand to most of the backgrounds and sort of get rid of any melted text because text is tricky because what of a lot of AI upscalers will try and interpret what the text says, but it doesn't look very good. So often we call it like melting where the, the text just looks like gibberish and they go in and clean all that up and, you know, add high quality back to the future pictures, which is always welcome. <laughs> That does conclude all the gaming news and live action news as well. We now turn our attention to site news. And firstly, as always, we'd like to thank our new patrons, Christopher Smith and Matthew Axe. Thank you so much for your support. If anyone is interested in our Patreon uh, that we that we provide, then you can head over to our website and you should be able to find a Patreon link. Uh, we do have some updates generally from the website. You should have noticed a little update to the, the Features tab. Oh yeah, so previously everything was on one page, Features. We've now expanded that out. We now have our three pillars that complement our Features page. So we have the bonus material, picks up a lot of the, the fun projects that we have on the on, on the site such as the biohazard stars answer card my monopoly and the uh the advent calendar we then have the law room which is probably the most impressive thing we've got going on there so that is a lot of the uh, previous law documents that batman has compiled they've now got individual pages so you can read through the translations that uh, batman has done uh, for uh, uh, biohazard revelations biohazard 4 and biohazard 7 we have a lot more coming along um, and there's coming Soon, uh, sections ready for the remake of the first game and Biohazard Zero, so they will be added gradually. Then, my little area, we have Non-Canon Corner, which is very on-brand, I think everyone would agree. That's where we've, we're collating a lot of the, the, the non-canon material that I've done over the years, so we've got the Confidential Report editorial, we've got the Gaiden editorial. Whether these things should be in non-canon corner is another discussion, but uh, I was overruled on that one. The final addition to non-canon corner has been my recent editorial all about Biohazard 4D Executor. That's now available for people to download and enjoy. Uh, if you are interested in uh, of Biohazard 4D Executor, the first CGI production that was done uh, as a theme park ride in Japan, then you can read all about that, as well as an in-depth analysis on the characters the BOWs and the Cameron virus, which is not its official name, but the name that I've christened it, or the Executor virus, some other uh, people call it, and how that works, and a couple of theories thrown in there for good measure. Um, so that's quite an interesting uh, little thing if uh, people are interested. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm a huge 4D Executor fan. Um, I absolutely love it. I know that sort of the, the you know, reference to Mater, the, the perfection, you know, that, that virus is literally perfection, and, you know, uh, we, we, we would have seen it 
come up again in the series, you know, if it were canon. But it's kind of self-contained, isn't it? But I just I think it's fantastic. I love the kind of the alien-esque kind of uh, type of narrative where you're getting, you know, each individual uh, unit member being picked off. Great tension. I think, yeah, I think it's fantastic one. You know, I'd put it up there really high up as, in terms of my favourite CGI incarnation. You know, I'd probably prefer it to any of the, uh, the you know, the three films we've had. Uh, pr- Actually, it's four now, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. we forget about the fourth one but yeah yeah so but no i would i prefer it to all all of them you know i'm actually degeneration i'm quite a fan of but yeah it's definitely up there with that for me it does tell a remarkably tight storyline within 20 minutes you know you yeah get a, you get a good good sequences and there we go so check that out that's on our new non-canon corner on our website that does finish our site news we now turn our attention to why you're here so we celebrate get those birthday candles out as we look back on 10 years of resident evil operation raccoon city guys you got a live one hey this is a quarantine zone identify yourself don't take another step Welcome everyone to our retrospective look back at Orc Operation Raccoon City. Right, 10 years on since release. Ironically, it has one of the best trailers of all time in a Resident Evil game with that triple impact trailer, which I've recently reviewed. And It's amazing, I, yeah. Yeah, just to pra- brace myself, I was like, oh, this is really good. And we sampled that in the introduction you've just listened to. It does give you a very broad overview, that trailer, of what Operation Raccoon City is all about. The kind of pew, 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 and you know, just action, action, action. As mentioned, in I want to op- watch that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> As I mentioned in the opening back at Operation Raccoon City, all the way in episode three, and needless to say, at that time, opinion was not particularly high. As with all our retrospective podcasts, we don't actually intend to re-review the game. That's never the point. It's mainly to see if our opinions have changed in the subsequent decade that has followed. Uh, does it still hold up? What doesn't hold up? Has there been a, a general fan consensus shift over the years? We've seen that happen quite a lot in the in the series. Um, at the moment, and we'll, we'll talk about this in a future Resident Evil 6 retrospective, I'm personally seeing a lot more love for Resident Evil 6 now, and it certainly wasn't the case 10 to 7 to 10 years ago. Are we seeing that with Operation Raccoon City? That's what we're going to be looking at. And as, as a start, I wanted to say that this is actually the first opportunity I've had to play the game arguably as it should be i.e. with other humans and other people. So you can see our progress on the YouTube page. Myself, Stars Tyrant and Rombi have made some pro, uh, progress with that using Discord and the PlayStation 3 uh, free servers. In fact, me and Rob nearly completed it the other night, but due to the unique way Rob's PlayStation 3 capture card likes to operate, that adventure will be lost to the sands of time. <laughs> uh, so you, you, you won't see me randomly 
being uh, killed by the nemesis. We'll therefore be looking at the history of Orc and George Trevor. You'll be providing some insight here because you had the opportunity to interview Andrew Sand uh, a couple of years ago as well. We'll be looking at the single and the multiplayer, looking at the graphics and maybe the gun gunplay as well. And for all you lore enthusiasts, yes, there's you thinking this wasn't going to be a lore-based podcast. Oh no, we're going to be talking about the canonicity of Operation Raccoon City as well. So as an overview and a, you know the, the kind of general feeling with Operation Raccoon City, uh, I'd like to start with George. What's your kind of brief opinion of it? Do you, do you think your opinion has changed in the 10 years? The only thing that's really changed in my opinion, you mentioned that interview and, and understanding so much of the lazy journalism that happened at the time, you know, it was very much labelled, you know, the people that ruined SOCOM, you know, coming to Resident Evil. And later, you know, I, I found out, you know, from Andrew Santos that himself and... Uh, Adam Bullard, the uh, creative sort of artistic director, weren't even part of Slant 6 uh, when they were making the SOCOM games. And just various other things we may come to, you know, uh, the, the, you know, the time constraints, you know, it was made in, in, in under a year. But at the time before I was aware of all of this, very much someone who's a traditionist and really wants the canon to remain as it was and, and, and not a fan of the remakes of two, you know, uh, of two and three that, that, that later on came out. Uh, I'm wanting Resident Evil to be very much survival horror. And this again was, you know, this was before the HD remasters and, and Capcom sort of financially, I think, were looking to the, you know, the Call of Duty market as, as, as their kind of way to success. They wanted to steer the, the the series in that direction. And I was very much anti against that. And so I was extremely hostile to this game and, and everything that it stood for wanted to be and, uh, you know, didn't buy it and played it, I think, about a year after release and just was extremely unhappy just how much it, you know, diverted from you know the canon not just the narrative but the particularly the locations you know we, we got these very kind of sterile you know kind of uh, laboratory type um, areas uh, you know for Birkin's lab and and obviously the game mechanics as well you know if you do play it it, it doesn't stand up it was broken in many areas you know it had a day one patch but again we'll come to it there, there are reasons for that but no generally just like on the basis that of what it was the type of game it was the direction Capcom were going in I was very hostile towards this game. Happy? What about you? No, same. Like when it came out, I was pretty burnt out on the series. I wasn't, it took me a long time to, to come around to RE4, RE5. I like everything post uh, pre-code Veronica. That's my bag. That's what I like. Um, so yeah, when this came out, this was like kind of the final nail in the coffin. Like with this and then RE6 after it, like it was like done for me. Wasn't a fan. Really not stoked on it. The cat, like the, the how, like it was always marketed as a non-canon game. But for some reason, despite that, I was like, this is wrong, man. <laughs> no, didn't. Wasn't wasn't a fan. Didn't like it. But even if you don't like something as part of a franchise, you can still like enjoy it as as a game. And I did always like it for what it what it is. But no, like didn't like it at the time. Nope. No no no. Star Stone? Well, uh, back in the day, I was a bit of a bit of a stickler for details and things like that. And although I come at these kind of things from a slightly different approach to John in terms of, uh, you know, you can't be with us tonight, Batman. I was really, really put off initially straight away by the fact that they were trying to sell that this is the same hospital that's in Resident Evil 3. And so I was like apprehensive about the project even before it came out. I just just wasn't interested in this kind of alternate take on the series, which was already, you know, quite clearly non-canon. Because I was such a stickler, you know, and, and very stubborn with my approach, I dismissed it long before it even came out. So when I, you know, obviously bought it on release and just didn't enjoy it, 
it was pretty much everything I thought it was going to be um, with the you know added thing of that it just wasn't even that much fun to play for me I just didn't in, didn't enjoy it that much but that said I think the remakes in the years since the re certainly the remakes of two and three have forced a kind of reappraisal on the game and that's going to be the main thing I'm looking forward to getting into tonight because if one of the reasons why I dismissed that game initially was down to like geographical differences and uh, a, a sort of reinterpreted nemesis how can i hold that to account but allow the remakes because whether we like it or not the remakes do exist in a kind of co-canon you know peter fabiano famously said resident evil 2 and 3 remakes are both as canon as the originals and if that's the case then i know there's the obvious caveat that operation raccoon city was made by <clears throat> a western developer and things like that but it still had a heavy involvement from Capcom. How can I dismiss The Hospital, for example, as being non-canon, whereas Resident Evil 3, the remake, completely redesigned it as well? How is that any... How is that fair to Operation Raccoon City? And I think that's going to be one of the most interesting and fascinating debates we're going to get into tonight. No, absolutely, absolutely. I, from my own point of view, we, we do have to cast our minds back to, to 2012 and, and the kind of feeling where we were back then. And it was all action 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 we had resident evil 4 and 5 was amping it up and we, i suppose we, ju we just had revelations as well hadn't we that was in the january 2012 so and that was a kind i don't say halfway house i think that's being generous is a little bit of survival horror and it gave people happened. a warm fuzzy feeling i think because it was something to latch onto of the older ways it even, was even if, yeah. even on a surface level it was it was more in line i think with what people wanted and then we were hit in march with operation raccoon city <laughs> And I, like many, like you said, you know, full full price. I actually have the order. I subsequently sold it um, after some points. So that gives you an indication of my general disdain towards Operation Raccoon City. But when we realised that we're going to have to cover this pod, do this podcast again, a bit like a couple of years ago, I realised I'm going to have to buy it again. So I have owned this game twice. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, there we go. I think as well, it didn't help that Resident Evil 6 was round, not round the corner, it was still a fair way off, but this just always felt to me like a, a necessary hurdle to get to the, the sort of the main event of the year, which was Resident Evil 6. I don't think that helped either. No, and it's well, a, the interesting thing is like um, Retrib Retribution came out that year too. Um, yes. And if you look at Mila Jovovich's um, fit in that movie, you just put a blue lighted gas mask on her and she's part of Wolfpack like it's very 2012 aesthetic <laughs> uh, yeah yeah and obviously you can see in my own editorial about that the influences the um uh, Paul Anderson's had on on that game in particular I think yeah the comment about Resident Evil 6 is true it felt a bit of a warm-up act and the marketing towards it was interesting as well because there was a lot as, as you say it was kind of marketed as you know this kind of call of duty and then a kind of like what if scenario but a lot of that just came down to the questions i don't think capcom were ever really marketing it as a non-canon game it was only because the the media because let's be honest you know, social media wasn't as big in 2012 they kept pointing out well how does this work and they were almost forced to say oh you know you know it's kind of like time and it kept if i remember correctly it kept saying it is fully canon and then it came not canon and then what i've just realized is doesn't that strangely mirror the kind yes. of approach to the resident evil netflix show that there was this kind of strange confusion on social medias and like you know you had a very differing opinion from like the the creative team saying well no it absolutely is canon and then you get like one of the producers capcom people saying no, it kind of does exist in a what-if sort of capacity. And, you know, it's even back then, much like the Netflix shows, there was this kind of confusion which didn't help the, the, the run-up to the game's release. 
No, I agree. And if you're a new fan of the series, and you and you know people listening may well be and going, oh, you know, perhaps they've got a PS3. Oh, I'm going to check out Operation Raccoon City. It's widely considered to be non-canon, but who considers it to be canon? You know, is a discussion. And and if you actually want to find the source of why it's not canon, um, that that take that takes a bit of actual effort. You have to find like some random tweets and some interviews, and it's not like oh, it's it's obvious. Arguably, as as you've mentioned, and we'll talk about it later, it was a lot more obvious then than it was now because the the timeline was quite structured and cohesive. It's only now you've kind of got this kind of alternate Birkin's lab, alternate hospital, alternate RPD, and you know it, it's just not that obvious now if you go and play it with that mindset. Yeah. It's, it is also worth just pointing out before we really get into the into the dukes of the discussion, and I'll bring in uh, I'll bring in George here. It's probably a good time to just mention that you've spoken quite in depth with Andrew Santos, and maybe just mention like what the initial concept was versus the end result. Yeah, please do, George. It's a good plug for your interview with Andrew Santos as well. So the initial pitch was for Resident Evil Two remake. And one thing that was quite surprising to me during the interview, Andrew Santon says that the repository and sort of all the files were named Resident Evil 2 Remake. And when he came on board, that was very much the, the pitch that had been made to Capcom and then was later told that, no, the direction that we're going to go in is very much... Uh, and they specifically mentioned Call of Duty. So uh, it was a shame. You know, his vision was for, uh, he, he says, a, a cinematic survival horror game you know realizing kind of like an open world style they very much started slant six with this three-way play this uh you know co-op single play and multiplayer and uh kind of they wanted to pitch kind of yourself against the humans and kind of have the uh the bow's as kind of like a third party you know in there as well uh so it's kind of like three-way crossplay uh was a, kind of a big thing early on and yeah, they did. They very much wanted to have a, a remake. It was, uh, as far as they were con- concerned, a remake of Resident Evil Two, and they were very much steered by Capcom Japan, very much towards, uh, you know, like a Call of Duty style game. But of course, as you said, that Slant Six had experience with such games. So they could yeah, turn... they produced. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't exp- I I wasn't familiar with them, but they they'd done SOCOM. I mean, it was an interesting choice, wasn't it, Slant Six, uh, in terms of who you know doing this this third party, uh, going outside of of, of Capcom Japan. Uh, but maybe that had, you know, a lot to do with the kind of the type of game that they want they were wanting to produce. The other thing that kind of was a, a big restriction that Andrew mentioned, sort of a big difference between like, Western developers and and uh, Japanese developers, were that because of many of the things that they wanted to change as as they were kind of coming across like technical limitations, things for example where locations had already been pre-designed before gameplay. So you're already, you know, the gameplay doesn't exist and you're already given a location and so you've got to kind of devise the gameplay to kind of fit within that location. But certain plot points and gameplay mechanics had already been agreed prior, uh, you know, to these things being developed. And so his kind of hands were, were, were tied. And one thing that he said was constantly coming back that he wasn't used to was the fact that nothing could change. Everything was set in stone from the beginning. And so plot points that were agreed at the beginning, game mechanics that were agreed at the beginning, none of these things could change. And so he was kind of restricted in that way. Uh, so if you can imagine, for example, you know, Birkin's lab has already been pre-designed, but then you're told you've got to shoehorn in gameplay that's not actually designed for that environment. You know, you're, you, it's very difficult. You know, you're working uh, with, with huge limitations, um, huge restrictions. So who des- who, who designed the, the kind of levels then? Because a comment that I found when playing recently was Raccoon City's never quite looked like this and it's clearly done for gameplay purposes so Resident Evil 3 the original you could argue that the streets are so unrealistic they're so narrow that the shopping district that you know you you can't fit anyone down there but it's there for, for to make it feel that 
kind of claustrophobic. Whereas Operation Raccoon City, very open wide, it actually resembled a bit more like 4D Executor in some places. But you know, high positions, we had you know for snipers to shoot, um, wide open spaces, lots of areas to kind of hide behind. Clearly designed with that kind of like big map vibe going on. Who designed that then? Because it's because I said I felt that the whole game was designed around the map. But you're saying it was actually that was already predetermined, and then they had to design the mechanics around the the maps. Yeah, they had Capcom Japan had the same producers from Resident Evil Six and Revelations. Right. I believe the names escape me, but Andrew Santos mentioned the uh, yeah the producers from both of those, and so in meetings that they were kind of having Skype meetings prior to sort of designing a lot of the gameplay, th- those points had already been brought up, and they were kind of told that, you know this is what you know because uh, it seems that you know Slant Six kind of came in this very much enthusiastic thinking that we're going to be you know be producing a kind of a, a survival horror retelling of of you know the resident evil 2 resident evil 3 timeline and i think uh, in in very much in the early days we're simply being kind of you know commanded and given requirements that these, you know these are very specific things that you have to you have to adhere to so those yeah those things had already been agreed well i not say agreed they were, coming, they were dictated to prior to you know any of the gameplay mechanics being designed right i don't so, know who, yeah so i don't know who by in terms of individuals it's an interesting point because the only other major game that was ever outsourced was gaiden and we know from interviews with um, uh, tim hull that they were basically given free reign to do whatever they wanted, that, that bar the storyline, bar the plot, you know, bar the plot point. They said, as long as this happens, then you can do what you like to get to that point, which gave them a lot of, you know, flexibility. But you, it sounds like then, you know, what we've what you've discovered since is that they didn't actually have a lot. And I know no, because uh, one of the things that kind of it was Capcom, didn't they? It was Capcom that wanted to kill Leon. Well, I was going to say, yeah, because you know, I think um, Andrew came into this very much kind of wanting this to be a canon entry and tried mm. everything that he could. You know, they mentioned uh, a place, a Shakespearean play, he mentions, it's a retelling of Hamlet, and Rosencrantz and someone are dead. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's a retelling of Hamlet, and he's sort of saying that, you know, if this is going on in one room with Leon Clare, you know, he wanted to retell what was going on in the other room, and he just kind of wanted to supplement the canon that we already had. And it was very, no, and the, the, the plot point of the, the Kill Leon plot point was, you know, again, they were dictated to on that. And yeah, very much, you know, he said, you know, he's, 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 he's uh, you know, dashed his hopes of a canon entry very much when you're being told that, you know, Leon has to die during this. So a lot of it they were dictated to. It seems like they very much had free reign artistically in terms of the characters and, you know, the Wolfpack characters and, right. and the biographies. And just in terms of the, te- you know, the texture detail in this, you know, it, and it's, it's fantastic. I mean, it, 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 it's fun far far superior to what we got in the remakes of two and three if you actually look at the details and the adherence to a lot of canon issues um or a lot of the the, the canon kind of features and architecture uh, the little items of, of raccoon city are matched up in this so where they did have that free reign it's, it's a shame actually they very much did tie it as much as they could to the canon and what we got before but it seems that you know prior to this capcom very much had an idea of this is going to be a call of duty style game and presumably you know this is why they, they've dictated to them and they've presented them with these environments these kind of sterile open world environments that you know kind of a, you know plays very well to those halo and call of duty style games and then they just slant six you know andrew's team they just had to do the best they could with what they you know with what they were given now i'm not a call of duty player so my only experience with these types of game is operation raccoon city and i've always mentioned when capcom do these spin-off games they have to balance that tricky equilibrium of them appealing to resident evil fans who want to play it but at the same time 
clearly, especially with this game, they wanted to appeal to the Call of Duty fan base to make them go, oh, you know, let's play that. That'd be fun. You know, get them into, um, you know, to the RE series that way. So my experience is is purely on this. Sean, have you have you played a lot or happy? Have you played any a lot of a lot of the games that they were trying to kind of mimic and you know flourish from to to mm. attract new customers? Only very casually. These sorts of games aren't my thing. Um, that's why I play Resident Evil. Like, yeah. yeah, no, it definitely, definitely, like they're trying to rope in that that other crowd. No, it's never been my thing. I haven't really played Call of Duty at all. Yeah, I mean, I I do play a, a quite a wide variety of games, and um, you know, it was also leaning into like a lot of the cover based shooters that were going around at the time. You know, your Gears of Wars and things like that. And and the truth is, with with Operation Raccoon City, was a, as as a product, it was always one of the lower end in terms of its experiences again you know as a gameplay experience it was it, it, it just wasn't overly fun to play with one caveat um if you played often with you know some friends and got like a you know a, a team of your friends together and work, work through the campaign there's always going to be fun inherent to that kind of experience and you'll vouch for that no doubt rombie yourself and i went and did a few levels the game is enhanced exponentially when you can do it with friends because you kind of overlook a lot of the problems because you're just having a good time and operation raccoon city did always have that for all the flaws of the game as, as an experience with your mates and, and getting a few beers it was good fun because the uss command who's a um who's sort of instrumental in getting like andrew santos interview who's um a big fan of the multiplayer and kind of opened my eyes and I was kind of aware through him stories he was telling that, yeah, just how stars is right, you know, just how popular and how much fun can be had uh, with the multiplayer. And again, you've got to think, you know, there was, there was single play co-op and multiplayer all done within, within a year. Uh, you know, you know, and I think, you know, Andrew's mentioned uh, during that interview that, you know, there are mobile games that, that are, you know, developed in much longer than that. I think at the time, I think one of the Max Payne games was being developed in sort of three years and, you know, they only had a year to do, get this done. And I've heard that what can be great fun, I don't know, Sean, if you've done this, um, is the um, the fight for survival when you're battling for only four places on the helicopter. I've heard that can be uh, great fun. And again, if you kind of get used to the the different traits and characteristics of the different members of Wolfpack and and the other team. You know, it, it works fantastically when you can, you know, if if, you, if you're aware and kind of invest a little bit of time in in, in these players and these different these different characters. Uh, yeah, I've I've heard it can be really really great fun the multiplayer. Yeah, absolutely. The game is designed around you sort of picking the best sort of loadout and skills and complementing each other and actually working together as a unit. If you've got if you've got a member on your team who just likes to run ahead and spawn every enemy going and, and just acts as a bit of a lone wolf, they'll tend to die off really quickly and then you'll probably follow very shortly after. Whereas if you sort of move through the game as a unit, there is fun to be had. There, there always is. Even, well, even resistance at times is enjoyable for that kind of thing. Just very fleeting. I have yeah, to say, but... I, I'm, I'm in complete agreement because... As I mentioned in the my opening bit, I I really really hated Operation Raccoon City as of ten years ago. It's only this year I really, as I said, picked it up again and, and replayed it. So my experience was purely based on the single player, which we'll talk about in a minute. But I have to say, the multiplayer experience has been so enjoyable, and I say that I don't want to say embarrassed. Yeah, yeah, I'm in, I'm a bit embarrassed because I, I should have played it earlier. Uh, I I don't want to say it's a great game multiplayer because as I, as you said I've not played any multiplayer game on the internet bar I think Mod Racers Nation or whatever it is which is a Mario Kart station I'm not I don't play these games so I have absolutely nothing to compare it to but 
Uh, we tried to get it working on the PlayStation 3 with headsets and voice chat. That was absolutely having none of that. So, as I said, we, we, we did voice chat on Discord whilst playing the game. And whilst, you know, I cringe at the Birkins boss fight, I hate the fact that the Hunters are basically bullet sponges and the Lickers have about a 50-foot tongue that can get you from absolutely miles anywhere. I had a huge smile on my face the entire time that I was playing because as you say I'm playing with friends and we can say you know we can tell each other don't go there or I'm like where are you where are you? I'm coming I'm coming I'm coming you know and we had we had all sorts of fun just mucking around I, I'm, I'm woeful at most Resident Evil games as most people know I'm absolutely abysmal at this game so I'm sure the guys had fun holding my hand taking me through the levels as I was pressing the wrong button and trying to work out what a frag grenade is and things <laughs> Things like that, and what button does which? It was it, it, chaos in 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 true REP style. But for what it was in multiplayer mode, I, I've seen the game in a completely different light. You know, I, I feel my life has been enhanced because of it. Because it's now something. If someone were to suggest I'm going to play Opera- Operation Raccoon City, do you want to jump on? I would happily say yes, I do. I would. Let, 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 let's let's play some more i've only done the campaign mode so i've got a bit more other areas to explore like you know that that fight for the helicopter seat sounds particularly fun i will be terrible at it but it does it does sound something that's in in the space of one game mode become more appealing and i had a similar sort of epiphany with re5 a game that again i didn't particularly like in single player mode but it's a game that's not designed to really be in single player mode you're supposed to do it with someone either in you know local cup or online cup and i almost refuse to believe that campaign mode should be done sing in the single player in this game because i find it a terrible game in single player but in multiplayer man did i have a blast and it does look good as well these days i think the same has happened on playstation but uh, it, it's um i played it on xbox one x because I've got a physical copy of the 360. I've got the Japanese. Yes. Um, it's region free. The Japanese collector's edition. I've got the Asia region free version. Upscaled on Xbox One X on 60 FPS. It, it actually looks great. I think Sean, you've played it with on 60 FPS as well, haven't you? Yeah. It's, to be honest, it's transformative. I mean, I've been fortunate enough to have a, a PC that can run the PC version, and um, so I've been used to sort of playing it in considerably better circumstances than the ps3 and 360 versions which were were not good at the time very unresponsive and the ps3 version in particular couldn't even maintain the 30 frames a second no it doesn't so when they released the backwards compatibility patch for the series consoles and the xbox one x and that and it got the fps boost yeah it's transformative not only does it just improve the fluidity of the game but it actually makes the controls more responsive they're far less sluggish and although i still would be hesitant to say it's a good game it's by and far the most playable you'll find it to the point where it almost convinces you it's actually all right <laughs> but that that is your, that is your rep top tip. <laughs> that's your rep top tip it's the xbox series x version or the one x i think the one x can run it really well as well oh can it oh, okay right. yeah and, and the series s can do it can you download it still then for that's a good question i actually don't know yes. I'll, I'll do a quick i'll do a quick online search now blast these digital only consoles Banish yeah, I'm, to hell. I'm playing on xbox one x that's okay gone. right yeah, I think if there's a backwards compatibility patch, it will be available to buy because that, that is sort of one of those things that Microsoft ask you to do. Uh, yes, it's fourteen ninety nine on the Xbox Store right now, but I mean it's always in sales and things. Now I actually remember it is available. And if you've got your old disc lying around, just pop it in. 
and the patch will download automatically. But we had a good we had a good time, I think, with with the um, multiplayer. I, I, as I said, I've got nothing to compare it to, so I'm, I'm, I I don't know how bad it played or well it played. But yeah, there is a lot of certainly on the PlayStation Three, a lot of frame slowdown. But let, let's kind of like talk about some of the aspects within the, within the game itself and how how that's held out over the years. I kind of mentioned uh, George, you you kind of mentioned the idea that it is actually or perhaps was supposed to be human versus human with with monsters in the middle. I, for one, just found the presence of Spec Ops just to be a frustration. I don't actually think they add much to the game in terms of your playability. It's just an annoyance going up against humans. I'd rather I'd rather it have just been more more zombies, but cleverly placed zombies rather than just shuddering aimlessly about. You feel it's got in the way. I, it's very hard to explain. The, I just don't think the idea was as executed as well as it could have been. There's always a thing to say that when you've got a, a back catalogue of creatures as inventive as and impressive as the Resident Evil series, that much of Operation Raccoon City has you fighting human soldiers, I think is a detriment to the game at all. And although there is some attempts to create like very dynamic situations where like you've got the wolf pack you've got the spec ops and bow's all in the mix fighting each other it just turns into a bit of a chaotic melee that doesn't really give you the impression that these are three separate factions all trying to stay you know trying to battle each other it it just ends up just on everyone running into the middle of whatever area and there's some occasional grenades going off and it's just a bit of a mess it's, it's not too totally overwhelming. Hollow. Yeah, it is overwhelming, yeah. See, I wonder if the reason for this, you know, listening to you say that, you know, the thing that this game lacked, you know, compared with Outbreak, for example, you know, Outbreak, sort of the action and, you know, the running around of things you're doing, you know, it's really kind of closely linked to, the, to you know, to, to a strong narrative and the scenarios that you get in Outbreak and, you know, everything that's going on on the screen at the time, you know, you're always being driven forward by a very kind of strong very kind of specific plot and what where you've got to do and how you've got to get there and what you've got to use in order to get there and who you've got to cooperate with and you know all of that is lacking and you know omitted from from operation raccoon city so you just kind of get that kind of running around a bit like headless chicken gameplay sometimes and i wonder if you know kind of for the reason for that lying behind that is the fact that you know andrew santos mentioned that whilst you know, in development and whilst they're kind of, you know, things are moving along and, and, and things have got to kind of, you know, uh, got to develop and, and, and change. They weren't allowed, you know, they were constrained. They couldn't change anything and everything, you know, had to remain exactly as it had been dictated to at the very, very beginning in their very first, very first meetings before anything had, had, had been realised, even in, you know, grey blocks on the screen. So I wonder if, you know, a lot of that, has to, you know, if that's, that's to, like, that lies behind what you're saying in terms of the, uh, the unfocused gameplay. Recall actually saying to uh, Nick and Rob when we did the when we played through a few scenarios together that it's your favourite type of game GT because it, it most of it just has you following an icon to lead down the next corridor and all you're doing is just pointing the camera to to a floating icon on your on your screen and that's how progression works in the game you're just always working toward a floating objective i tried to get rid of that and you just can't <laughs> like it's i could really do without that the maps are so incoherent in in um, operation raccoon city that you'd, you'd be totally fucking lost without it i can see why they have it no for sure i can't really compare it to like things like um Call of Duty because I haven't really played them, but you know what it did remind me of was I've just got come off the back of a playthrough of the Uncharted series, and it reminds me more of that than than Call of Duty even just that cover base, just constant, never ending waves of machine gun enemies. It's just it just reminded me of Uncharted more than anything else, which of course was you know massively popular at the time as well. Mm, mm, mm. 
Happy, how did you uh, find the the use of the BOWs? Did you find them an effective addition or needless, or was it more of a case, as I said, you which preferred more monsters and less less gunfire and things? Yeah, more monsters. I like the most fun I was having was when I was taking out the monsters. Like you said, just the the, the I could have could have done without the spec ops. Like I, there there was too many of them. I, I sort of can't really explain why so many of them are there. Like it's just waves of them that really took away from it for me. I was really much, much happier when it was just zombies and the liquors and, and the tyrants and stuff. I thought that was cool. It does give like, even though it doesn't feel necessarily like playing a Resident Evil game, you know, all the, all the stuff's there, you know? <laughs> so gives it that theme. And despite that, they, you know, I know they added the Nemesis beta parasite. There's not actually a huge variety mm. of... BOWs, considering, as you say, if it was planned to be Resident Evil 2, we've got the dogs and the lickers and hunters and a tyrant, but we've got none of the bugs that perhaps, you know, no, I don't think there's any spiders in the game. Uh, I haven't come Not that I remember. Um, there's no grave digger they could have put in. There's no, none of the crocodile or alligator or whatever. Um, no moths, no drain demos or brain suckers or anything kind of icky like that which they could have done just to perhaps spice it up a bit or you know any animal they could have, we could have finally had a zombified raccoon which would have been very apt the only the only the only thing you get is the the parasite spidery things yeah which which uh, almost like a precursor to the plaga oh, blimey Freudian slip there the um the nemesis parasite zombies from remake three almost aren't they i get crimson heads i suppose you get crimson heads yeah, but cool. it's always it's, it's the popular mm-hmm. ones. It's all the popular. No drain demos. No like sliding no. worms. Are just the popular. It's the lickers and the tyrants and the zombies. And they're just annoying most of the time. And mm. this is this is my frustration with them. It's like oh cool, you know they build up the hunters quite well with the them being kind of airdropped in to almost tyrant style. You know like, oh my god, you know and they're just a pain. And we we got we got killed a number of times playing it and. There's no real rhyme or reason as to why we got killed. It was just, you know, you can, you can easily get cornered and you, know, you can't really escape. And a lot of the time I felt it was all very RNG as to whether, whether you're going to do it or not. I don't feel I was, we were particularly skilled in getting it. It just seemingly luck as to where a hunter would randomly jump next and whether it would randomly claw us or would get hit by a, a liquor from about 500 foot. The liquor tongues are just insane. Like, I remember like way back in the day when I was playing it for like one of the first times, there's a room, I think it's Nikolai locks you in a room with a bunch of liquors. Mm. And um, that was a roadblock, man. Like I could not survive that room for the longest time by myself. I agree. I think this game, for me anyway, um, I found it near impossible on single player mode. And I think I got to the city hall levels and that was it. I was done after that. I found it, for me, near impossible to complete with the AI uh, on my own. It, it it needs better players <laughs> than me to play on my own, even on like easy mode. And I think I I must have done it about tried to do it five times. And after that, I was like, that's it. No, I'm not that interested because they get for as we knew it was kind of non-canon, and canon was very much a big focal point of my enjoyment of the series, the storyline. In order for me to keep playing, it needs to be a good game because I want to see the ending. I want to see how it all unfolds because if it's canon. It, then I'm going to think it's important. I shouldn't. We've been told we shouldn't think that, but 
that's that's how we were back in 2012. So as soon as it became too difficult and annoying and you know frustrating, I was like, nah, I'm not bothered. I'll just go and watch it on YouTube oh, or something. Yeah, no, I was in no mood in 2012. No <laughs> mood. <laughs> and 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 this is why I think this is a, it's an interesting kind of retrospective to as I said look back um I still think single player is nigh on impossible <laughs> my skills have not improved if anything they've got worse it's what happens when you hit hit get your 30s you get reaction time starts to dwindle. <laughs> but yeah it's as I said I'm happy we can actually do the campaign in multiplayer um just to give you that option to actually try and complete the Bloomin' game because you know the, the actual quality of the cutscenes is really high and the artwork, as George, you've mentioned, mm-hmm. the artwork is really good. We use a load of the Operation Wrecking City artwork on the website because it's so good, you know, and it it strikes a lot of the right vibes that you want from an RE game. Like uh, we've got the picture of Leon uh, on a car shooting down at, you know, hordes of zombies and dogs. It's just, it's got a really good atmosphere going on. Uh, you know, and as I said, the presentation of it's quite good. The graphics I felt really did still hold up today. You know, I think the lighting was particularly good, even though it was dark, you got good views of everything. And I was, I was genuinely impressed at how well it still looks. I mean, it, it didn't feel particularly old or retro, as I suppose the PS3 console probably is. It didn't feel, you know, old or anything, but everyone else impressed still with that element or... I think it's starting to show its age. I, 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 don't okay. was, I, I don't think it was a looker back in the day, to be honest, Nick. But did you know? I, I, I don't. <laughs> not really. I, I think part of like why I'm so taken, like whenever you see like an actual face, the, uh, I'm pretty easily impressed. I really am. I'm I'm easily pleased. I thought it looked okay, but um, as soon as you see someone's face, like Leon or Claire's face, then the illusion is gone. <laughs> like it's a good thing everyone's wearing gas masks because <laughs> the facial animator just looks weird. <laughs> it's not right. Uh, no, I'd, I'd agree. And, and and Nikolai certainly got that weird, yeah, yeah, square face look or something. I don't know what he blockhead. Like. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Blah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, Sean. I think you're being a bit mean. I think it does look. I thought. I think it does look quite good. I mean, it's not Resident Evil Five levels, of course. I think for me, I think I just, it's, the BOWs were okay. It was more the environments for me were very sterile. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. 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 Sure. Massively high quality or anything like that. I don't think the enemies, like the zombies, like the, and maybe it's like the animation and it's the frame rate sort of coming together to make it look real janky. Mm. Um, I think looking at like a still image, I think it looks okay. But as soon as things start moving, then it is a bit like, oh, okay. <laughs> this is 2012 for sure. <laughs> at least it didn't have the green filter that a lot mm. of action games had at that time. I don't know. I, I, as I said, I, again, my expectations were particularly low going back into this, and so I, I was pleasantly surprised by some some of the shots. And I, I particularly, I did like the open streets of Raccoon City. I know it was very, very different to the Raccoon City of Outbreak and RE2 and 3, but I felt yeah. that they, it had yeah, something. You, you say that, but it's still more in line with those than what the remakes were, you know, which took a more high-rise-y, much more modernised Mo- mod, yeah. American city versus the, you know, at least there's aspects of the Operation Raccoon City, Raccoon City, which has that sort of more gothic-y architecture in places and things like that. Yeah, certainly like the, c- the city hall that you go to kind of felt appropriate yeah. to what we it does we're feel in keeping with it a lot. And, yeah. and you do have a one-to-one remake, one room at the clock tower, complete with piano playing. You do. Moonlight Sonata. It must be unlockable during the game. I Someone sent me the um, extracted files. The concept art is just outstanding. Yes. You know, just, right, just, yeah. not, just, not just the characters, but the, the scenes from Raccoon City. And like you mentioned, the buildings and the, the kind of sort of architecture is just 
just beyond and like and, and above anything that we got i think for, with the remakes and kind of what sort of along as well as a highlight with this game i don't think many too many people are aware of it um it was brought to my attention by uss commands was the arg that ran alongside this the viral marketing for this game inserted evil yes and some of the assets with inserted evil you've got a file by brian irons a letter from his secretary making complaints about sexual misconduct you've got uh robert Robert, sorry, Sean. It's the only place the secretary is named as well. Yeah, and it's, 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 I think it's, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Carol. You've also, Carol, that's it, Carol, yeah, yeah. Well, well, remembered. Uh, you've also got um, Robert Kendo's kind of like a, a brochure of all his, you know, all his weaponry, uh, like like stock list of everything he's got. Just a, loads of stuff. Um, oh, obviously all the all the Wolfpack and spec, uh, well, particularly the Wolfpack biographies. I mean, you know, as somebody who doesn't feel, fart thinks that, compared to some of the other female characters we've had in the series, that Lady Dimitrescu is far, far from progressive, anything. But, you, you know, if you really want to check out some progressive and interesting and eccentric biographies, check out, the, you know, the, the Wolfpack biographies um, and that of Spec Ops. They're absolutely fantastic. Just quickly, just go, one of the concept arts that I think you pointed out, Nick, um, is of Leon fighting a load of zombies and very quirkily, every zombie is taken from the concept arts of each game that preluded to it. Yep. You've got like the original RE1 concept art zombie. You've got one of the police officers from RE2 concept art, and it's quite a neat piece of art. But just going back to like your, the, the backgrounds of the wolf pack and things like that, no one, not even us on the podcast back in the day, ever critiqued the idea and the concept behind this game, which was always sound. You know, it was a really interesting hook. I don't think anyone would deny that. Like, the, the, the idea of, you know, playing as an Umbrella, you know, unit going into Raccoon City, trying to clear up evidence and assassinate key people and things, you know, th that idea is cool. It's really, yeah. really, it's got a lot of scope, a lot of potential variations, and you can do some alternate things, which they do attempt to do rather clumsily at the end of the game with Leon. It doesn't really work. But on a conceptual level, this game is 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 solid, really it's solid. Fine. I think they run with the idea, like you know, all oh, Spec Ops are going to be in it. Oh, wait, aren't they the dead people and from the Dead Factory? And you're like, yeah, yeah. I think it just went a bit too far on it. As I said, there's far too many. There's far too many Spec Ops in the game. They should have been limited to almost like being a boss. It should have ended at the at the Dead Factory or something like that. I don't know. I I still feel the Wolfpack themselves are a bit far too futuristic with their tech. You know what Vector can you know camouflage and I, I just yeah, wish it's they're... funny. You look at Alpha Team with Hunk, and then you look at Delta. Is it Delta Team Wolfpack? Like one looks straight out of '98, and then the other looks straight out of 2012. They just they just look so they just contrast so so strangely. Absolutely, and no, I, I I wish Wolfpack were actually just more in line with almost like the the Hunk Hunk's team properly. You know, just more like the standard USS, you know, outfit. I appreciate for gameplay reasons, they all needed to be a bit different and have different abilities and quirks and what they can do. But I wasn't, I've never been 100% sold on the look. I think they, look, they do look too futuristic. And they remind me a bit of Scar Squadron, which is a real deep cut to Resident Evil, to Star Wars comics, if you've ever read the run uh, like that. But it was a, a special Stormtrooper unit, but they're... They're all different. Actually, a better example is the Bad Batch, I suppose, more commonly known. You know, they all look different. They've all got special yeah. kind of gifts, that kind of thing. That, that's what they are when actually... Well, they don't, sorry. <laughs> no, no, just saying, you know, obviously it works in this kind of Star Wars universe, but for RE, if, if you were trying to mingle it with a canon to suddenly have these people that have far greater abilities than Hunk-ish mix, mix it, 
I don't think it worked. Then I don't think the idea of spec ops, not a bad idea, was utilised as well. I think they should have been saved, and then they could have had like a separate ways style with with the with the spec ops team about how they get to the dead factory. Because the whole point of the spec ops was to extract Birkin and take you know get him out of there with the G virus because he was. He was defecting to the U.S. government, basically. So there could have been a really good storyline there. And then, you know, when you replayed RE3, you see the aftermath of the of the onslaught. I mean, how good would it have been if if it was Wolfpack in better guise that unleashed the unleashed the five tyrants on the? Mm, <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. Alas, alas, we get something very very different. <laughs> um, and then you know they combined the Nemesis, brought in basically the movie version of Nemesis with a minigun and that felt a bit contrived with the ending being oh we've disabled him we've reactivated him now now he has his rocket launcher and off he goes to kill jill it's a bit fan fictiony i don't know that, that, that's how that's how I, that's how i kind of you know saw it and i was like oh. so that, yes you're right sure there are some nice ideas and i think george you'll be able to correct me i think one of the original plans was to actually have it at the mansion as well yeah again i I mean, it really speaks to one of the things Andrew Santos said earlier on that, you know, he was a fan just like us. And, and one of the things he really wanted to get off his chest is just, you know, the real kind of adverse, you know, particularly the, the press, you know, reaction to this game. I mean, it was a number one in Japan. And, you know, I think speaking to sort of the aspects that you're talking about, just having fun, you know, Sean says, you know, in, in the multiplayer, it was very, very popular in, in that, that aspect. It was, you know, it was a number one, worldwide number one. And, you know, as a fan, you know, he did want to kind of incorporate the aspects of, of the Arkley uh, facility, you know, interesting, you know, when we think about the mansion kind of being derelict, you know, after Chris and Jill left, you know, because there was that idea of, you know, returning, you know, I think a beta for Resident Evil 2, wasn't it, was was, was considered a return to a derelict mansion. And yeah, he wanted to kind of have have uh, how it sort of take place in the Arkley Mountains. And, um, you know, there were ideas to have Lisa Trevor, uh, it, you know, have her in there as well. So they, yeah, they, they very much had sort of those, those ideas from the beginning. But again, it's all, I think a lot of it all just comes down to what was very much kind of a, a strict, you know, adherence that they had to, you know, they had to have to what had already been predetermined by Capcom Japan, by the, you know, the producers that were involved in Six and, and Revelations, that they had to stick to that. And I think, I think, you know, at that time, Capcom were in quite an insecure place, weren't they, financially? And, and again, you know, this was before... I think they had a lot of confidence in the survival horror direction, you know, before the 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 surprise success that you know the the huge download figures, you know, PlayStation had for the uh, the remasters, you know, of, of remake and zero. So yeah, there were lots of ideas, and 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 they were keen to, to carry on. I think you know, particularly with Wolfpack, they were in talks with Capcom of a, a sequel to Operation Raccoon City. And I don't know how many people are aware of this. I won't go into too much detail because it's quite a controversial subject. But there were assets, weren't there, left on the disc of a, a scrapped Star Wars game. And when someone, yeah, and when someone, yeah, when, an, yeah, and when a, a, an extractor within the community, go online and people will be able to find out a much more interesting, more accurate version of what I'm saying. But yeah, when the when these extractions came to light of this 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 canned Star Wars game, uh, it was a huge embarrassment for Slant Six, and that's basically what killed that. That's what killed Slant Six, and that's what killed the sequel to this game. Wow! Yeah, did not know that because there were there were big plans for for a sequel to this game. You know, extending the role of Wolfpack and perhaps having scenarios that you know went back to uh, went back to a derelict mansion in the, what in the mold of like Outbreak almost. It'll yeah, like, yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Because I suppose all the scenarios they're not clearly timestamped. They don't always follow. There seems to be like a fade to black, then it kind of like, you know, then you're starting again, aren't you? A lot, a lot, there's a bit of an awkward gap at times. My God, Tony, 
as if I've got time to waste on this crap. Yes, I shouted at the bitch, but quite honestly, she was going through my stuff, and that's the least she deserves. She's damn lucky I didn't shoot her, stuff her, and mount her right there. Oh, but of course, that kind of thing's frowned upon, isn't it? Yes, we've got to stick to the rules, because we're the ones enforcing them. God, these rules make me sick to the pit of my stomach. Back then, somebody steps out of line, you let them know about it, you know what I mean? And so what? I've got some pretty pictures. And maybe they cost more than Carol will see in a year. But hell, what I do with my money is my business. And I work damn hard for it, and not just for the Raccoon Police Department either. I'm a worker, Tony. You know that. And so long as I keep the city working like clockwork, then it don't matter what else I'm doing, right? And hear these words, Tony. Because Raccoon is my top priority. You can be sure that the work I'm doing is for Raccoon City because I won't let anything happen to it. This is my city with my rules. It ain't some corporate annex that can be bought. No matter what they think, they can only push me so far. It's probably now a good time to start talking about the, the kind of canon. You mentioned, George, about the ARG that kind of followed, that kind of preluded with it. As you said, that is a fountain of knowledge, and you can see how impressive that not that the amount of you know background information they did when writing all this for the Inserted Evil campaign. Just look at Batman's mythology and timeline. Everything that is in red that you can see on his timeline is basically Operation Raccoon City stuff. Decided to include it because it's so good in terms of the canon, and most of it, if not all of it, actually fits with the with the pre-established canon so he would he would argue well you know we, we never get brian iron's secretary's name and you know they name her as as carol cinderman you know why not include it there's reports uh from hunk as well about a training report back down in uh, about rockford island training facility which is great which kind of expands upon the file from code ronica uh, adding a lot more detail there's reports about yeah reports with secretary to personnel departments all these things have been added completely, you know, un- arguably unnecessarily, but have taken very much account of, you know, when it can fit, who can write it, how they can write it and things like that. And there's all sorts of little little bits and bobs that you can find on the timeline. You can, if you want, if you so wish, could take into account for your own kind of headcanon. But raises the question over the canonicity. And as I said earlier, it's one of those points whereby you have to do a bit of research to find out about canon in this particular game why it's just well it's just one of those things it's not considered canon it's a what-if scenario i think and i think capcom do treat it like that but as i said if we start with sean your kind of overview of in light of the remakes is it that much different to remake too if we if we look at the like birkin's lab for example i remember when we all played but you know that opening kind of level there must have been a collective laugh from the community game is this is this supposed to be Birkin's lab? Oh, it's got a big door that says B4 on it, and it says William Birkin. Oh, it must be. I mean, it bears absolutely no resemblance to the underground lab in RE2. It's got flat screen panel TVs, despite the fact that they weren't invented in 1998. It's got, you know, progressive LED lighting. It's got the wrong font umbrella. It all looks like it's just, you know, something from probably from 2012 as opposed from 1998 and you know and, and, and he laughed well it's clearly not canon and, but as i said earlier how is that different to nest how is that different from 
you know, special voice, you know, USBs and wristbands that can do all sorts and, you know, vast plant greenhouses and God knows what else you get in nest. How is it? How is it any different? The, the, the truth is, it isn't. The only ways we can differentiate it is because we have those the facts that you know it was originally conceived as a it was sorry not originally conceived but the final product that we got was conceived as a kind of what if scenario it's a western developer you know affiliating with capcom but not necessarily capcom themselves whereas the remakes are obviously in-house capcom teams so you've always got that but in terms of like the the impression among the community and there were people even back in the day that accepted the game as as a as a canon because you know there are some people in the community who are just like well there's not really any reason to suggest it isn't you know and 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 that's that's fine i guess i mean i never agreed with it because like i said i always had issues with the the geographical inaccuracies with like the hospital and and things like that but then when remake 3 comes along and gives you an entirely redesigned hospital but still expects you to assume it's the very same one that you played in the original in a way how can you now scrutinize operation raccoon city and the truth is you really can't you just have to sort of go in and be like well it's no less an adaptation of this world and you know reinterpreting what you know raccoon hospital looks like birkin's lab you've got the you do have the fact that these could be the more commercial levels, whereas the Resident Evil 2 depicted the sort of underground lab side of it. But then Nest comes out, and Nest is a completely redesigned. I mean, I think for most people, Nest is probably the least impactful part of re- the remake too. But you, you still accept it, because you have to just, you know, if, you, if you're happy to take two-thirds of the game, then you've got to have Nest with it. And, and so in that Operation Raccoon City, just, yeah, it absolutely can, it is the same lab. It's it's intended to be the same lab as in Resident Evil 2, the same way that the same way that Nest is. So why can't it? What this is what I was trying to say at the beginning of the of the, the podcast episode. I'm aware I'm rambling, but it's if you apply the same, it's not it's almost not fair now to scrutinise Operation Raccoon City for these kind of inaccuracies when ironically a remake came along and did exactly the same thing mm. and gets a buy gets a pass by the community. Um, I, I I agree. No, I agree wholeheartedly, and I think remake three is the uh, is the more bugbear than say even remake two. When taking into account kind of Fabiano Fabiano's comments about what is canon, well, yeah, <coughs> we should we should know that you know if there's an issue, you just got to deal with it. Yes, you can, but you know, mm-hmm. did Jill go back to the RPD during her last escape, or did Carlos? It can only be one of them. Did she escape on a uh, was she on a tram or was she on an underground? Again, it's only on one of it can only be one of them. It's and... kind of super weird territory now where if you're talking about like being accurate and faithful to the original games, so like take 1999 Dresden Evil 3, there's an irony in the fact that Operation Raccoon City is more accurate to that game than its actual remake. You know, like if you play the Spec Ops campaign and you get to sit, you get to play the level. Oh god, it's called something like the places where we die. Yeah, uh, and it's the it's the it's depicting the dead factory fight between the spec ops and the and the, you know the, the tyrants and the rail cannon. That's a more accurate interpretation of like the Paracelsus sword than the fucking finger. <laughs> and and like you know the clock tower's more accurate 
in Operation Raccoon City to the original game than its remake is. You know, it, it's it's. it's really, I'm, I'm really I'm really pleased that Stars has picked up on that point because one thing that you know you've you know the, the catalyst for this is the fact that there was a fan behind this. You know, Andrew Santos he's as much a fan as we are, and he was saying that within the constraints that he had, he tried to tie this as much to canon, and he actually specifically mentioned the Dead Factory. And again, you know, this idea of of want, wanting to show you know if Claire and Leon are in one room, wanting to show what's going on in the next room. He he during the interview on a couple of occasions he specifically referenced the dead factory and kind of wanting to show he you know he, he talked about those pre-renders backdrops where you see the bodies of the of the uh actually of the army soldiers isn't it is it and what kind of wanted to show why they're there or the placement of the UB, ubcs forces why you know why you see dead uh bodies strewn all over the place you know in, in that in that final scene where you have the battle with um with the nemesis yeah no that that's why you know there was a fan at the heart of this that wanted to kind of give a bit more backstory to you know to the reasons for for these things these little these little things that we see in the original games you know kind of add further layer to them i think you're right and i i, I think it just raises that bigger question i think if anyone looks at the wiki the wikipedia for basically the raccoon city incident um, or you know look at the i think the carlos page for example they've gone down a very admirable if not word lengthy and wordy route of going one account of carlos's actions is this Another account is what happens in Remake 3. And, and then they've gone to the effort of going another account is what happens in Umbrella Chronicles, which is arguably another retelling. And then, then you know, and, and the community invents the idea. It's not confirmed anywhere that, oh, they're just retellings. They're not canon strictly. They're just retelling from the original game. The only things that are canon in Umbrella Chronicles is just the, the new bits. No, Capcom have never said this, ever. <laughs> you know, it, it's just something that the fans... Have kind of like generally worked out because there's no way you'd want the original games to be overwritten by Umbrella Chronicles, especially or Dark Side Chronicles, because it, it, it's a you know it's a, they're poor interpretations of the original game. So why not add the events of Operation Raccoon City to that kind of another account of what happened? Is this you know it, it, yeah. why not? I mean. I suppose the only difference is that we have got some definition of it being it is a non-canon title. But yeah. I do get the impression it was yeah. somewhat forced out of them as being so, because I, I, as I, said, I distinctly remember it being, oh, no, this is fully canon. And then next week, there's another article saying, oh, it's a what if. And then it kept changing. Anyway, and it kind of kept changing. But there is fundamentally not a lot of difference between between these titles. You know, what is the difference between Spectre and Dr. Bard? Yeah. You know, nothing, really. I mean, there is still some of us, like like myself, and you know, I don't mean to roll eyes and things like that for people who are listening. But, you know, for me personally, I, I'll always favour the OGs in terms of, like, canonicity. But I acknowledge that that's not the same for everybody. And I think one of the things the remakes of 2 and 3 have done in particular, and we'll see the same in 4, is that they've mellowed people yeah. to that kind of yeah. belief. That the originals are the only things that we take as canon, and anything else, anything contradictory in the remakes, we just dismiss immediately. We just dismiss it. And I think I think people now just adopt a more <laughs> shrug, you know, if you want that to be, if you want Ness to be the name of the facility, that's fine. If you want Sherry to have gone to the orphanage, then that's okay too. And I think now that means that a door has kind of been opened for Operation Raccoon City to sort of come along and say, I exist too. And if, if, if people want to take parts of Operation Raccoon City, if they want to take all of it, you know what? I think we've all just reached a, a sort of you know, a harmony. It was down by remaking it so many times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think... 
I think there is a harmony now. I, I think people are a lot more laid back. I think, you know, you're still going to see the occasional moronic argument break out on social media and, and, and people flexing their opinions far too strongly. But I think, you know, in a generalist sort of sense, I think people are a lot more open to the fact that, like, you know, if you want that thing in Operation Raccoon City to be canon in your own personal headcanon, then that's fine. It's no different from me turning around and saying the reporter in Revelations 1 and 2 is Alyssa Ashcroft. That's my belief. I know it's not canon strictly, but it works for me, and that's fine. And if someone wants to say that about Operation Raccoon City, whereas this time ten years ago, I would have said, no, you're totally fucking wrong, and you're absolutely stupid to even suggest such a thing. Now I'm just like, if you want to do that, that's cool. That's fine. certainly get the impression that the people who wrote Operation Raccoon City kind of knew more about the, like, law than whoever wrote Resident Evil 3. 2020 it it almost feels more detailed and like it knows what it's talking like they it's not 100% obviously like things um diverge and they make their own stuff up but it does have like this core of like no they they know what they're talking about they're doing some different stuff with it but like this is like i feel like this person has played these games and that inserted evil campaign is is very reminiscent of it i mean and as we know the that kill Leon idea is very much an idea from Capcom Japan. But if you were to take that out, for example, um, mm. a lot a lot of the other things are just weird interpretations of what happens. You know, like the nemesis and the, the tyrant, and doesn't like the person has sort of kind of dropped down from nowhere in the ceiling. And, and in the middle of it, I mean, it's that it's it's janky as hell. But yeah, it, it's, one of it, the things that I always thought was really cool was in the Spec Ops campaign, which I know you've not played a lot of, Nick. Mm. But you actually witness the aftermath of Jill's battle with the Nemesis at the Clock Tower. And you as a Spec Ops team come across Carlos sort of cradling Jill. And Nemesis actually wakes up from being defeated by Jill. And you as the Spec Ops team tell Carlos to get Jill to safety. And, and you opera, you know, you know, offer a diversion so Carlos and Jill can get away. And I thought that was a really, really clever way of working into the game's narratives but also doing like a kind of fresh spin on it and i'd yeah. love to see more of that where it actually directly ties in the game because then because then they do sort of more out there ideas like sherry gets lost in the sh- in the sewers and you have to help her out you know you meet claire and that's where it kind of doesn't work because it's directly contradicting the events of the games but that one where the spec ops come across an unconscious jill and carlos it's like after the scene cuts away in remake three, so it cleverly ties in. Should have done more, more, more sorts of things with that. But that just, you know, what you said there, happy about how that, you know, they they've worked it into the narrative better than some of like the remakes ideas are. Like even though the the Birkin's lab, like it, it doesn't look right. I I still like the concept. Like it's a great opening. Like you're standing outside the door while the scene is like you can hear it playing, and you're just waiting for Birkin to come out of that door. I think it's a great opening. Like you could sort of see it. You know, it works. You could sort of see that happening, that Hunk's got backup, maybe. <laughs> maybe. <Yeah>. maybe. <laughs> I just didn't understand why the spec ops were there in that lift. <laughs> but, you know. Something to shoot. But this is the point, though, isn't it? You have things like the completely redesigned Dead Factory. It looks nothing like the Dead Factory from Resident Evil 3. There's something you could say it, it's there for gameplay purposes, um, mm. for, for that type of game. And you're almost tempted to give it a bit of a pass. Because it, it everything the whole game is designed to be open and expansive, which is almost like the polar opposite of what Resident Evil should I say should be, what Resident Evil traditionally is in that kind of claustrophobic area. Whereas I struggle to give, say, Remake Two a bit of a pass with 
with the art uh, with the redesigned RPD because because it is a traditional survival horror game. It, from in my view, it should have then matched up with Outbreak closely in RE2 and you know the originals more closely if you still wanted that to fit in. But obviously, they went down a completely different completely different avenue. But it is. It, it is a tricky one. You mentioned the, um, earlier about like the what? Is, sorry, the, the the quite narrow streets uh, in yep. in the original, very distinctive to the game. Um, and then like pretty much all later uh, remakes and stuff widen those streets out. Um, but those narrow streets, like it, it's actually like a very look at a lot of Japanese streets, and a lot of them are very narrow like that. And mm. like after that, that after everything after that, like they've widened it back out, which is very Western to have those wide streets. Um, so it's arguably like maybe a little bit more accurate to America, not that I've been there, to have wider streets, even though it just doesn't feel right. Like you want those like narrow streets for Raccoon City. Yeah, I think we've spoken about this before as well, though, about how a lot of the they are wide streets in Raccoon City, but they're all cleverly blocked off with you know the, the number mm. 50, fifty-two Midtown bus everywhere, and you know all the block streets with Kendo's van and RPD cars making it narrow. It was it. My, I think my comment directly related to the what I think there's it is the shopping district in RE3. Mm, yeah. That kind of the crossroads. Arcade. Yeah, and it's like who the hell shopped down there? Yeah. <laughs> Not many shops in the arcade either. <laughs> no, you can go you can go the back door into the into the cafe if you want. I'm okay. <laughs> and there's a trunk out the back. <laughs> but yeah. And I suppose I suppose Outbreak had quite wide streets, and it Main Street was pretty wide, and that, that was quite impressive at the time. So I, I suppose Orc has this weird, in terms of the canon issues, and and it's not just that game. Uh, obviously, something I know a bit more a bit more about with the kind of mobile games as well. There's two two Resident Evil games developed by Western, think by Western developers or, or Capcom America that retold Resident Evil 1 and Resident Evil 2. So that's Resident Evil Genesis, which retold the events of the Mansion incident, and then Uprising retold the events of Resident Evil 2. And that added new monsters. It added a completely, uh, had a completely redesigned RPD and, and a rapidly condensed storytelling of RE2. Uh, but again, developed by Capcom, um, has all the files in from Resident Evil 2 plus one or two new ones. So we've mentioned before, Genesis has like a new file for George Trevor's anniversary date and things like that. I was the itching R- to say that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the RE2 one I only adds... A- think off the top of my head a couple a couple of files basically saying how birkin is hidden one of the king uh, i think the king plug up in the clock tower or something like that you know something like that nothing too spectacular but again why isn't that canon just because it's a, a crappy mobile game it's made you know, by there's Cap- no reason yeah i mean there what is sure no we were saying before about just adding like the Alicia Ashcroft thing um if it's not contradictory it just enriches and i think it's great that we've got this series that we can add these little details that you like you say there's there they're not contradictory at all there's additional jo- entries that you can add to george trevor's diary in genesis that, that add to the story and are fantastic yeah um yeah so so you know what is we've mentioned uh you know irons secretary it, it, is it wrong to say Carol Sinderman, I think her name is? Is it wrong to say that? It's a name that pro- that would have had to have gone through Capcom Japan at some point, or you know, Capcom at some point would have had to have vetoed that. Is it ever? Is it? Are they ever going to correct it? Are they ever going to say, "Oh, that's oh, oh no, Chief, it, you know, the Secretary to Chief Irons"? I oh, know that's uh, that's Brandon Bailey, obviously. <laughs> the joke fell flat. You know what I mean? You know, they're they're, nev- they're never going to amend it. So why why not use that piece of law? And that's what I think John has done 
in the timeline for people to have a look at you can actually see you know all, all these extras now i don't necessarily agree with him about having all the spec ops characters as canon you know i, I may not agree with having you know wolfpack and you know all the spec ops as being you know part of the main timeline personally but you know it's for people there to make their own opinions up up if you want to if you want to say if you want to include that in your own timeline then by all means uh, as Sean says, the the law in Operation Raccoon City, what's uh, what for most of its existence has been a no non-canon. Forget about it. Don't even worry about it. As you say, Happy Remake has almost butted us up to having a bit more of a laissez-faire approach to it. And now I think uh, people are starting to look at it in a bit slightly different light. So we kind of go back full circle to um, you know one of the main points of these retrospective podcasts: Are we seeing Operation Raccoon City in a different light? both from a law perspective and from a gameplay perspective. I'll open the floor up for comments. Um, absolutely. And I think I think with things like the backwards compatibility patch, you know, which makes the game infinitely more playable, I think it is having a lease of life. I've never been sweet on it. I've been pretty outspoken about how much I don't like it at times, but it's found it it always had an audience and it's found some more now and it's not for me, it's not for any of us to say, you know, your opinion of this is invalid. You know, we, I think not just in terms of canon, but I think I'd like to think that as a as a fandom, we've had to appreciate the fact that the series is Rombie's very, you know, very well used quote now, which is it, it belongs to everyone and no one. And we've all had to readjust our expectations many times with what we want this series to be. Um, I know there's people that don't like the era it's in now in terms of like first-person games and stuff like that. I personally love it, but I appreciate it's not for everybody. Some people are really invested in where the series is going to go with the remakes. Some people are really looking forward to Resident Evil 4 Remake, whereas I'm not too bothered about it. But no one's opinion is invalid, and I almost kind of like the fact that games like Operation Raccoon City, for all my issues that I have with it, can get reappraised by a community, and can it can sort of find its little little sweet spot and i don't think it, it's it's never ever going to be cherished as a as a you know a, a perfect game in the series unless you're called smiley but it's got it it's got its place now and and that's and that's fine i'm all for that, that that's cool george and I'll, I'll lead you on with the idea do you think it gets a bit more of a pass because it's not a main title because i could see a lot of our arguments here and discussion now could actually be applied to say resident evil 6 but i feel that it's going to have a harsher critique because it's a proper proper RE game. Do you think do you think Operation Raccoon City gets a bit of a pass because it is a spin-off? Um I mean y- yes to to a certain extent but but it also gets sort of beaten with a stick for not being canon. Um That's true. <laughs> yeah. And well, kind of your own question there Nick define a spin-off in this series now. That... What is a mainline title? Yeah, I mean Code Veronica, yeah. you know, from years and 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 Resident Evil 0. Um I oh, sorry Survivor until it was mentioned, you know, Sheen Island got that mentioned in in, in 0. I I think what's great is the fact that you know Sean alluded to it before is that just as a community we're a lot more open to um, just, you know, the, the, the idea of headcanon. You know, many, many years ago when I first went onto a certain Resident Evil website, uh, a member of staff was being expelled for having the audacity for suggesting that Resident Evil Gaiden may be canon. You know, so thank God we've moved on from there. And myself included, it was a bit of a road of enlightenment that this game, you know, I, I can remember being so hostile 
towards it you know the idea that they dare to change you know Birkin's lab and at the end of the day I mean ironically the stuff that we've talked about that kind of feels Resident Evil and and, uh, you know for example adheres more to the original Resident Evil 3 than the remakes it is the stuff that was put in by the outside western company and it was in fact Capcom Japan that had initially created all these you know very sterile alien environments that were completely alien to us that bear no resemblance to their kind of originals because they wanted this this call of duty-esque you know gameplay that you know that they had to fit within those environments and obviously you know the tight claustrophobic corridors you know uh, weren't good you know you couldn't have that but they did the best of what they can what they could with what they've got and you know you can so that love that fan love was in there and it's just great having listened to the pain and anguish that Andrew Santos went through to listen to you guys that have experienced the gameplay a lot more than me happy smelly and, and and stars talking about you know their their experiences and you you just as fans have picked up on the stuff that andrew was trying to do just in the in the little ways you know like you say uh seeing that what was going on after the, the you know the battle between nemesis and during the clock the clock tower and uh you know you know other things like that happy mm-hmm. um yeah so i mean i've always always been i wouldn't say like a purist but um the og playstation trilogy is that's what I grew up with. Like I was like six when I first started playing this series. It's so embedded into my brain that it's like literally a part of me. So I I used to be very precious with the OG, like that's what happened. And if anything doesn't, if it deviates, I'm, I'm not happy. And that's how I felt in 2012 as well. But I'm, I was saying this the other day on the Discord, like even Resident Evil 1, the OG, like even that kind of does a little bit to negate like some of these timeline issues that we have and these canon issues like a lot of Resident Evil like from one to outbreak it's quite airtight like there's a lot of ins there's a lot of outs a lot's happening it's quite densely packed um lots going on and it, it interlocks quite well like a few mistakes are there but that's bound to happen it's pretty airtight but even in Resident Evil 1 like who released who from the cell who 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 gets out? Does the mansion blow up or does it not? Like not like some things. I think the mansion does blow up in the canon, but some things yeah. weren't down in the canon. Like, did Jill meet Carlos at Grill Thirteen or did she meet him at the Racket Press? Like, there are there is there's always been some room for wiggle room. As much as I never wanted to admit that, and especially with the with the remakes now, like I don't think Operation Raccoon City does anything uh, uh, egregiously out there. With, I mean, some of the stuff that Resident Evil 3 2020 does is is a little more uh, bold, shall we say, <laughs> uh, in in what it changes up. Looking back now, like I I, I kind of just think it's 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 cute. It has a go at playing around, mixing things around, playing it up. Like the the the, the con, like the premise is 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 so cool. Like it's kind of like Outbreak, like non-canon Outbreak, but from the perspective of the Umbrella soldiers. And I think people always thought Umbrella was cool. I think Capcom, like, like they nearly had something like very cool here. Like I think people always thought Umbrella was cool. They always wanted to play for that team. I think there was like a, a want for something like this. And it's like, it's it's, it's not quite there. <laughs> it's not quite there. Between that and Umbrella Call, we never really got the Umbrella fantasy. Um, but as always, maybe next time. <laughs> it's such a common common answer though isn't it for the multiplayer yeah Let, let's let's see what happens which is interesting I, I i'll kind of end my comments from going i do wonder if this is natively the best multiplayer game re game that they've made now i'm going to caveat that very heavily because obviously uh there's been a whole screaming audience members going uh outbreak uh mainly you know the online servers now you you could argue 
certainly for us us Europeans, we never got to play Outbreak online. And even if we did have Outbreak File 2, trying to get that online was uh, a near impossible task back in, uh, what, 2004, I think it came out, 2004 or five. And you could, although it was set up, it wasn't really till the PlayStation era that we had proper online facilities to be able to play these games online. And I, and, and in Europe and PAL codes, the um, Outbreak Fire One wasn't even online. Obviously, we've got the fan servers that are keeping Outbreak alive. And I, for one, would love to play it properly. Obviously, I know, Sean, you do as well. Uh, you play it off quite re- relatively often and can, and can experience how Outbreak should have ex- been experienced. But it... it the functionality, the framework, the infrastructure was never really there to be able to do that as well as you can today. Whereas Operation Racking City was very much from the get-go, natively, this is how it plays. And I just wonder if it is still technically the best multiplayer game that they've done. Absolutely not, you madman. Yeah, because you're going to say Resident Evil 5. And, and 6, I'm... yeah, even 6. 6 is a great multiplayer experience. It's two player. Well, yeah, no, it's actually four players at times, Nick. I think you'll, you'll think you'll find there's times where you know you cross converge with another another couple of players and can fight Ustanak as a four player. You know. Can you? Yeah. Oh, don't! I might have to play that. <laughs> it's very rare it happens because what happens is basically you and your, your you and your co op partner when like a four player section starts, and it's basically any section of Resident Evil Six where there's four of the main characters present. So like the uh, Ogreman fight, for example. And what will happen is just before you go in, you know, you do the loading screen, you'll get a timer that counts down. And if it can pair you up with another player in that same part. Oh, Jesus. Within 60 (laughs) seconds, um, then it will throw all four of you into the same encounter. And it's really fucking cool when it happens. Yes, I'd I'd imagine that would be. Um, So I would say they're the best. But uh, if you're talking about a four player experience or like an asymmetric thing then yes it's better than resistance yes it's better than you know like umbrella core they're not but then they're not high hurdles to jump in <laughs> i don't think they are <laughs> i'm trying to think positively here and, and that's, that's, the, that's the thing because I, I don't count the outbreak four players because uh, it's all it, well, it's, its own thing it's its own thing it's almost cheating really because it's not it's, you, you can't really do it natively no. without without yeah um, then, then you know, if you're talking about that, then yes, um, <laughs> you know, there's a, there's a few a few disclaimers you've got to apply, but <laughs> but um, I think that with the fact that it's got the backwards compatibility patch, that a lot of people have actually tried it now, and I invite plenty of people to give it a go. If you've got like you know three mates who have all got like decent, you know, you know the modern Xboxes and that, give it a blast, and I can guarantee you'll probably have a good evening. Mm. Uh, it's 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 really it is good fun in that sense. I would 100% endorse that, and I was going in expecting to really dislike it because of my single-player experience. I thought, I thought we'll do it, because we'd been putting it off for a long time, hadn't we? We'd been saying, oh, we better do better do some Orc multiplayer, because it's coming up to the 10 years, and we, uh, it must have been on the back burner for like at least six months. It's probably a good point to just sort of throw our listeners a bit of an apology, because due to the events of everything that's sort of gone on this year, both sort of online and offline, this kind of kept getting put back and back and back and back, and it's reached a point where we've kind of had to record it tonight, because we're just running out of time before the end of the year, and we've got like Resident Evil 6 to do. So that's why like Rob and John can't be with us tonight. It's just kind of happening out of necessity, really. 
but we really did want to like play through the entire game as a four. We were going to upload videos of us playing it, and we know that we had some grand plans, and time just has really worked against us this year, unfortunately. Mm. So the coverage of this game is not, I think, what we'd intended to it to be at the beginning of the year when we sort of map the year out. Yeah, but we're going to try and carry on. I think we've got a couple more chapters to do on um, Operation Wrecking City, so we'll, hopefully the capture card works and we will be able to get that online. Right, well, we have had a, a couple of call-ins um, uh, for, for, for Operation Wrecking City. So the first one has come in from uh, Jedi Stud. Hey, guys. Uh, this is a game that uh, I was super excited for when it was announced. When I got it, it was one of those titles that I, 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 had, to, I had to play it during that peak action era for Resident Evil. Um, I actually had to look up when it came out. Uh, turns out it came out in, I think, March of 2012, which was um, several months before uh, Resident Evil 6 came out. So n- needless to say, there's a lot of excitement, I think, in the Resident Evil community. You guys probably remember that clearly. So, you know, this is one where I, I played it. I, I enjoyed it, but it was hard. And I, I, I didn't finish it. Ultimately, I just couldn't commit to it. I just... One of those games, one of those RE games, I just couldn't really put my finger on. It was just just one of those, one of those I didn't didn't really I couldn't finish it. Enough of that. Um, I wanted to ask you guys where where do you think this game stands amongst the action heavy titles? Um, do you think it'll be one of those forgotten titles? Do you, has it been forgotten, uh, or would you say that maybe it, it holds a special place and? the RE community's hearts, uh, similar to Outbreak. Let me know. Look forward to the next podcast and hope I make make it on there so I can hear my uh, <laughs> my rambles. Thanks, guys. There you go. So interesting. A, a, a timely call-in, I would suggest. We're just having a similar sort of conversation. I don't think it is held in the same regard as Outbreak. <laughs> no, but I would say it probably discussed more because of its resurgence on, like, you know, the Xbox and things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, unless you are a very niche fan, I think which most of our listeners are, you know, you, you're aware of things like, you know, the Outbreak fan servers and things like that. But I would wager the a vast majority of the sort of general generalised fan, fandom don't. But they'll probably be aware that this is available now for stores on the Xbox. Yeah, yeah. I, no, I'd agree. I'd agree entirely. And I, um, I, yeah, as, as we kind of said, it is getting that little bit of that little bit of resurgence and people are starting to talk, as they talk about it a bit more. and. So, mate, it's amazing what a patch can do. Yeah, I understand why you didn't finish it. <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely. I, 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 to- I totally sympathise. I didn't. Like, I get it because, like, uh, to actually play it, it, it is just run forward, shoot all enemies, run forward, kill all the enemies, run forward until the end. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's dull as dishwasher. It's like Resident Evil Five. Yeah. It's, no, yeah. It's fucking dare you! On behalf of all <laughs> our listeners, you take that back right now. But it, I mean, so his other point was: where does it stand in the kind of action? We've got the kind of action trilogy, the survival action trilogy, and did you see how we just glossed over that, ladies and gentlemen? You listeners, don't worry. I will be addressing this with Nicholas later. <laughs> I say I, I'd probably say it's still worse than Resident Evil Six. Even though I despise six, it's it is far worse than six. It is, it is. It's, it, it it lacks. Although they're quite similar, I think it it does lack that shine that you get with six. I've got a handy little card here that helps people ascertain whether uh, Operation Raccoon City um, is worse than Resident Evil Six. And the simple simple question is on this little question tree is: 
does it have sliding? And if it's <laughs> yes, then it's it's the same as Resident Evil 6. If it's no, it's worse than Resident Evil 6. <laughs> and last I checked, Operation Raccoon City does not have sliding, therefore it's worse than Resident Evil 6. Okay. <laughs> I think you, you can, do love the you sliding, can like, jump. <laughs> you can like jump on the ground and the, your character will slide very slightly when they do that. So, you know, arguably... <laughs> There's a bit. <laughs> they do a to shoulder bar. Hold the aim button, the run button, and tap the analog in a direction um, using like the L3. You know, actual click the analog down, and it nearly contorts your hand trying <laughs> to do it. The controls <laughs> are wacky. Yeah, and if any listener can tell tell us, because we were puzzled when we were playing it, what the weird free aim with the pistol thing is. Oh, is weird. I can't remember which which controller it is. It's like L2 or something. But you'll draw it, your it pistol. It is. It's L2. Uh, yeah, you'll draw your pistol. It'll go into like this weird. You can aim 360, but not in between. It's like no t- sense whatsoever. Oh. I'm not sure what it's in the game for. It's just odd. Well, I yeah. booted when I booted it up last night. I didn't. I forgot the controls. So the first thing I pressed was L2, and like <laughs> Lupo was just pointing in random. Dire- I was so confused. It took me a minute to to realize that that's not the button you hold to aim your gun. I yeah I know I I hundred percent agree. It's like you you can only shoot in three ways, but it does auto aim. But then once you found it, it will then go to ninety degrees from that, and then another ninety degrees, and that's it. Sure, they'll like whip their like both of their hands are like whip their gun around, so they're pointing it like behind them, but they're still facing forward. <laughs> yeah. It's wild. Thank you, Jedi Stud, for that call in. Our last call in comes in from someone called Romby. Um, not sure who he is. Apparently, he used to run a website. So let's see what Romby has to say. Sorry, I wasn't able to join you guys. Uh, although I obviously don't want to let this episode pass without my dulcet tones coming in and making some comments about the game. Operation Raccoon City is a real interesting title to me, and it's one of those things that in its release year kind of I slightly overlooked, but also then eventually came back to. But until recently, when I've just picked up the game to play it with both Nick and Sean. It's one of those things I haven't really touched for a number of years. When it was first announced, I think I was really interested in the idea behind it in the sense that I was expecting like an action-y survival game. And then when they kind of really showed it off as a multi-team-based shooter, I kind of lost some general interest in it. I think the idea behind it is still really cool. And I think the, the way it's produced is not a bad game. It's just, yeah, not not exactly what I was wanting, especially at the time. And, and, and of course, looking back at 2012 as the period of the franchise, it was one of those things where it was very action-focused. And they were obviously wanting the big, Call of Duty numbers, and I think we've talked about this plenty of times. So I didn't even buy the game in 2012, which is, thinking back on it, a very odd thing to think about. I, I bought everything else, and I buy product in this franchise because that's who I am. But for some reason, I didn't purchase it, and I actually rented it. <laughs> I rented it to try it because I don't, I don't know why. Maybe I just saw it and was like, oh, yeah, I'll try it. So yeah, video stores, if you remember those, <laughs> they still existed here in 2012. So uh, I rented the game and tried it and was like, oh, yeah, it's, it's okay, I guess. Not, not bad. And then promptly didn't really think about buying it. And then I think it was the following year I was at a, like a pop culture expo and one of the gaming stores there had it, the special edition, 70% off or something like that, 60, 70% off. So I picked it up then and, uh, and, and, and then I played it. And I purchased the DLC stuff for the um, Spec Ops because obviously that, the first chapter of that was free. 
and then proceeded no, never to play. And I still haven't to this day. And I, I was hoping to try and do that before this podcast, but I really just haven't had the time to sit down and do that. So to this day, I still haven't. So at some point, I will go back and play that and then maybe a, a revisit at some point. <laughs> I don't know. As a, as a production value, I think I love the cutscenes. I think the CG in it holds up really well, even to this day. But I don't really enjoy the, the maps and the asset usage and the it's, it's a very messy game it's not clunky i i made a joke during our stream that i actually prefer it over remake through that's a complete lie but there's fundamentals about the fun of the game that i enjoy and that pointed it to me off off a record but um you know whether or not i thought this was a better game than umbrella corpse for example and i 100 percent think that i think it's a it's from a from a, from an interest perspective from a gameplay perspective it's it's perhaps more interesting but it's a question of being faithful or, or, or not it's clearly not it, it carves its own path just like anything but in a in its time in 2012 it seemed quite blasphemous to think that it was quite a different take but at least somewhat still faithful you know some of the returning same voice actors and character designs and layouts were not exactly accurate perfectly but they would they had the right feel compared to say now the remakes which are completely different and very much changed so it makes depending on your 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 outlook maybe better i don't know personally i think it's about the same i, I feel about the same i've always had but for some people they might think they're, they're improvement over time it's things get re reassessed and reappraised. I still think I would struggle to recommend anyone to play it at the end of the day. Like to, to, if you unless you're like a really big fan and really want like an online game that you're a franchise fan and want to hang out with some friends, yes, it's great. But you know, there are better games out there in, in the action front and better team based uh, online squad shooters. There's a real good dyna dynamic potentially in the um, three way with the uh, three way split of the various teams. So you and, and so you can use the, you know bait enemies to getting attacked by bio weapons and stuff, but it never quite really works. And the human enemies kind of a little bit overpowered or like not don't have the right fit. And then the bio weapons are like completely all over the place as far as like strength. Like as we were playing through it, the hunters were perhaps more frustratingly difficult to deal with than the tyrant was from strength because the hunters can jump and they can run and they chase you around rapidly whereas you know the tyrant still continue to just pull it around so it's it's one of those things where it never really balanced currently anyway i i could spend probably hours ranting and i'm sorry that I, again that i couldn't be there to join you guys but i thought i'd just send something in to say you know what i thought about the game nick inevitably always asks for a score out of 10 I think even in these revisits, and I'm st still think maybe a six. I guess that would be my out of ten, but it depends on your mood. And if you want something like light and fun in the franchise, then maybe you'll you'll give it a higher. And if you want you you're expecting more out of it, then you'll probably score it even lower. So, but for me, I, I give it a six. I guess that's pretty much it. And uh, I will catch you guys for the next episode. Uh, thank you, Ron. But we should definitely get him on the podcast. He's very good. <laughs> <laughs> He talks too much. <laughs> a great, a great summary. Meaning, we probably could have done the podcast in five minutes, six seconds. But there we go. Um, <laughs> he covered, uh, as we'd expect, Robbie. Uh, he kind of covers everything uh, quite succinctly um, and mentions the the, the BOWs as well, being a, a, an annoyance. I, I, we, we shared that frustration of the hunters and the lickers in particular. And another person that didn't, you know, didn't rush to get the game when it came out, and you know, didn't really engage with it, hasn't completed the DLC, even though he's bought it. So he just sits there incomplete, which, um, which is a shame. But again, unless you've got that squad to do it, I think it is really a bit of a labour of love just to complete it on your own. Well, they didn't need fans of the games to play them; they just needed them to buy it.
Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's true. Feels like you like sometimes you get like roped in by the Resident Evil tie, and you're like, I have to, I have to get it, I have to play it. I'm a fan. Oh, absolutely. I think this series is one of the worst for sort of feeling like you've got to consume yeah. everything that comes out, even if you know sometimes it's going to be absolute trash. You've yeah. still, like, you know, I don't like Infinite Darkness at all, but I've had to own it on Blu ray, uh, you know, and I'm never, I'm probably never going to watch it again. I'm oh, no. Mine's, mine's watched... still in its original seal. <laughs> yeah, <I'm>... <laughs> <laughs> the same, but it, it, the um... series. It, bl- it bludgeons you over the head to no. make you just think you've got to consume everything. You know, we even pick up, you know, me and Nick own Umbrella Corps for fuck's sake, physically. I don't even know why. No. But, <laughs> that's, the one, was, that's the one game I didn't get. <laughs> I was laughing when you mentioned Infinite Darkness because for the last two Wednesdays, I've walked up a really steep hill to my local Forbidden Planet to check that, even though I absolutely hated Infinite Darkness, that the Infinite Darkness comic. Uh, whether that has actually come in because that was meant to be coming out last Wednesday. No, it's, it's been not. delayed. You no. know it hasn't, George, because no. it would have featured as news at the beginning of tonight's episode. Why <laughs> yeah. Forbidden Planet bloody outlet keeps telling me it's been put back and delayed? I've had it on order for like the last four weeks. But Romby also reminded me of the fact that this was the this was the very first Resident Evil game that I didn't buy. I like well on release. I own it now, but not at the time. Okay. Mm, yeah. I remember feeling the same when I bought this for £40 that I did when I bought Survivor 2 for £40. It was that kind of awful, what have I done feeling. Why? Why? Um, had to yeah. do it. Had to you, do it. You, you had, had to, to do yeah. it. You have you to did. know. You have to know. <laughs> it's it's and... interesting because this was the first real experience outside of possibly Gaiden where you knew what you were buying was non-canon. You know, obviously we've had the canon discussions and things like that, but... The oh, you didn't. Was, you didn't know with Gaiden at the time, though. That yeah, was, uh, yeah, there was a discourse in the run-up to this from people involved that it was like a what-if scenario, and yeah, to actually go into buying a product like that oh, was, just, was yeah, it's so yeah, then, almost. You can imagine yourself walking out of of the video game shop like holding the copy in like a brown paper bag, like it's no. porn or something. <laughs> Touched upon it, yeah, but obviously this is a this is a bit of a sort of passion project for Nick. But this was also one of the first real examples outside of like the font being used for Outbreak, mm-hmm. where you could clearly see the Anderson universe impacting its art style and some of its ideas. You know, no one wanted to see a minigun wielding nemesis in a, in in one of the video games because the concept is nonsense. But here we are, yeah, you know, and and that nemesis the concept of that nemesis is is lifted straight from uh, apocalypse yeah and you've got the the same vial t-virus vial yeah arguably the best thing about the movie but that's in it yeah the the umbrella fonts in it um and, and, and just, I... just that notion of like putting the umbrella logo on everything yes was, was taken from the anderson universe as well and something rob pointed out when we played that i didn't put in my editorial that i should is that the the liquor cages from the first game are directly in it as well you know that, those kind of liquor square cube things that the, 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 the liquors burst out of in the in the movie uh there's loads of them in the game as well uh in the dining hall b for, from the from the from the first movie so there we go uh, rob gave a score um of what six six say six and a half Maybe six if he's being generous. So we, he's right. We don't, we, don't, we don't focus too much. We don't review it. But uh, Happy is our special guest. Where would, you, where would you score it out of ten? It's a hard one. Probably hovering around a four or a five. Like, I, I, I get something out of it. Like, because I'm pretty 
relaxed and chill about all of this stuff now and I can sort of enjoy it for a game. But the thing is, it's not a very good game either. So <laughs> I don't I don't want to give it a super high score, but like I, I don't want to I don't want to sort of brush aside like the fact that this like if you're in a good mood and it's, I've never played it multiplayer, but um, if you've got friends to play it with, like you can absolutely have fun with this. Like I, I like a lot of the ideas they were trying to bring to it. I just think, honestly, like looking back for, from a 2022 lens, I think it's pretty harmless. Mm. I really do. I would say from a single player, I'm going to split it up here. Single player, I would say about a four. I think, I th- I think it's barely mm. functionable as a single player. As a multiplayer, I had a blast, possibly, possibly even putting it a seven fun. And that's ultimately what video games should strive to be. I, we, I don't think we encountered many, one bug I got where I just I randomly just froze in the nemesis room and I, it looks like I was just chilling watching everything going on and my controller disconnected or something like that. Whether that was a hardware fault, I'm not sure. That is the only I'm not sure bug. if it was a yeah. I'm not sure if it was a bug or if I'm just stupid. But the first um, door that you have to go through when when Birkin starts chasing you right at the beginning, you've got a series of doors where you've got to fend off Birkin and wait for the door to open. And the yeah. first door, like I was standing there shooting the eye, holding him back, holding him back, holding him back. And I look behind me and like the door's been open and ev- all, of the, all of the other squads just like looking at me going like, you're good. Like, come on, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> There's a couple of moments, isn't there, in like that where you can get, if, you, if, you're, if you're whacked on something, you know, you can break the game. You can, But yeah, I don't think we encountered particularly many bugs. Frame rate drops, but. I had uh, Beltway stay in the server room where you shoot up all the servers. Like he just stayed there. He didn't follow me. So that was a thing that happened. Yeah. So I think overall, I'll probably give it a, a five and a half, six if I'm being very nice. But combining the two. But there we go. George, what would you say? What would you give it? It's hard. Happiest Money's right. It's a very hard game to, to, to give a, a general score. You know, you've got the highs of the Triple Impact trailer and, and, and all the kind of the, the sort of the, the ambitious things that they were trying mm. to do with particular types of gameplay. I think you're right to give it two reviews in terms of single player, multiplayer. I've not played the multiplayer, but in terms of, of, of hearing a great amount of detail, you know, USS Command's experiences and, um, and, and listening to sort of Andrew Santos talking about the different scenarios and what they're trying to do and the gameplay they're incorporating in, in that multiplayer. You know, I think absolutely right to give it seven out of ten I'd, I'd accord with that as i said you know i have to give the the, the rider that i've not actually played the multiplayer but i'm very familiar with it solo you know it, it, it doesn't really function as, as, as a solo game you know i just in terms of the vision and direction that, that from capcom japan in what they wanted to produce that i i was you know could go as low as two and three out of ten because it, i just find just the, the whole idea of, of what they were trying to do just so objectionable it's not what i want resident evil you know to be um i think there's just so many more different and ambitious ways that, that, that seems that Capcom have proved that they can go down that route that they did go down. So yeah, a seven out of ten for the multiplayer and for the solo player. Having spoken though to Andrew Santos and kind of understood some of the things that they really were battling against, just in terms of the the, the time scales that they had and the communication with Japan and 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 the things that were dictated to them, I would give it a uh, four out of ten the solo play, four out of ten and seven out of ten for multiplayer. Stars Tarrant, you get the final say. Fucking dare. Um, I'd have... <laughs> I'd probably given it um, a four, um, but because of reappraising it, because it's actually got a, a, a decent quality of life update, which I think actually makes the game vastly more playable, I'm going to give it a generous five. 
It's never ever going to be something I really warm to. It's not something I, I replay really at all outside of doing it for the occasional stream and whatnot. But, you know, with you guys the other night, or I say the other night, it was like probably over, what, two months ago now or whatever <laughs> it was, was probably the best experience I've had with the game. And you do have to take that into account. I'd, I'd give it a, I'd give it a five. Five out of ten. So overall, I think we can say as a kind of rep retrospective look back, it's not as bad as we once thought it was. And considering the, the the general lows of 2012, I think that's as good as appraisal as we can expect. So that does finish our orc retrospective. I hope everyone's had a good uh, a good listen to it. It's been certainly fun just to tread back onto this game. As it's not something we've actually covered that often on the podcast. As I said, the first one was back in episode three, so it's good to um, good to get it back in the open. And you never know; there could be a, a further renaissance if more people discover it on uh, on Xbox Series X. So, um, thank absolutely. You. And and yeah. if you've seen how um, if you've seen how we've generously reappraised that, you ain't got you ain't seen anything yet because Resident Evil Six is around the corner, baby. <laughs> well, you, you can you, you can be in your own little pedestal for that one, Sean. Let's uh, let's not jump the gun. <laughs> but on that note, thank you everyone for listening. We now <laughs> wrap up this podcast with an exciting edition of Neptune's Biohazard Quiz. Twenty-five years of Resident Evil. Ten years of the Resident Evil podcast. Expert knowledge is needed in what we call the quiz. This is my only opportunity for a point this week. Uh, I'd just like to announce everybody that uh, this is zero points <laughs> for me this week. Thank you. <laughs> Bye-bye. We've talked about the games straying too far from the origins. This Resident Evil quiz. <laughs> We're now getting Spice Girls as the correct answer. I mean, it's time to quit. Welcome to Neptune's Biohazard Quiz. Jesus Christ. What the fucking question is that? get excited when we have a new member of the team who is joining us for the first time for the quiz uh thankfully i know happy smelly listens to the podcast on a regular basis so she knows the rules she knows what's about to happen and i'm pleased to say that this is a semi-orc quiz so we've got three questions on operation raccoon city uh one on remake and uh special question five so if everyone can clear their desktops here we go so question number one Quite a simple one. What colour is the T-virus in Operation Raccoon City? Am I being a tease with that question? 
Question number two. Name any Spec Ops member from Operation Raccoon City. Now, I will be generous. You can have either the code name or you might get some bonus points if you can give me the, the actual names. Question number three. What are the name of the hunters in Operation Raccoon City? Uh, question number four. Question from our patron, Jordan Osiris. Uh, we've had a similar question before. What is the number plate for Leon's Jeep in Remake 2? I think we've had the we've had Claire's one, haven't we? A couple of week, a couple of podcasts ago. So this is the Jeep. What is the Jeep number plate? Semi guessable. And finally, question number five: a triumphant return of the timeline question. Oh yes, today is the sixth of October. Actually, it's not for you though, is it? Happy, it's the seventh. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that a question's gone out the pan. <laughs> See, she's from the future, folks. Anyway, so today yeah. in some Maybe of a good the day, world, I promise. Yeah. <laughs> today in some of the world, it's the sixth of October. Two events happen on this day in 1998. Name one of them. Now you may think that's a ridiculous question. It's not. If you think about it, it's the sixth of October. Something's happening generally in this time in this time scale. So have a think. There's two events. Yeah, I've I've, I've pinned it down to the game, but that's, <laughs> that's about that's about it. That's, that, well, we can do some guessing. So there are the five questions. Join us after this when we'll run through those answers. You're listening to Raccoon Radio in the AM on FM 112.5. I'm Casper DeVere, and we'll be right back after these messages. Skin is just so bare without ink. Who wants to look at pink flesh when you could be looking at amazing artwork? And it only hurts a tiny bit too. Come and see us at Raccoon City Tattoo, Ennerdale Street, Raccoon City. Hey, it's Kendo. If you like guns and more guns, then there's only one place to come. Kendo's Gun Shop. We're locked and loaded. Find us in downtown Raccoon City and check out our specials. So welcome back. I don't know. I don't know how well people are going to get on with this. Let's see. So what color is the T-virus in Operation Raccoon City? We're going to start with George Trevor. Gauze. Do you know what? Because Andrew Santos even made a point of saying how he wanted to match this up because he wanted it because he noticed it was the wrong colour. Then he, but I think he wanted to match it up to the film. That's what confused me. Oh God, I'm going to say purple. Purple. Interesting. Happy. Oh. I think it's blue. It's blue. Star Tarrant. I think it's blue. I I think it's accurate. I think they actually got it right, and I think it's green. Yeah. Point to Happy Smelly. It is blue. Hey. Hey. It's the blue one. It's the blue vials oh, that you I see. We mentioned it. Are it? you sure? Because I thought Stars was right. Because I thought he made a point of saying that he matched it up. He corrected it, Andrew. No, check, check I played it last night. I played no. it last night. <laughs> check my editorial. Yes, yes str- mm. straight out, straight out of the Anderson files. Should we say? Question number two. Mm. Name a Spec Ops member. Spec Ops member from Operation Raccoon City. Now, as I said, we can have the actual names, and you get you might get some bonus kudos points for actual names uh, or code names will suffice. Stars Tyrant. Yeah, D A D E A. Just is that the, 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 that's yeah? The I don't know his full name or anything like right. that. Anyone that popped into my head. D A. Okay. So happy. 
uh, Party Girl. <laughs> yeah, it was awful. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Party Girl, George Trevor. Yeah, I had two. There was Party Girl and also Willow is one as well. They 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 weren't. I didn't. I much more enjoyed Wolfpack than than the Spec Ops uh, as characters. Um, well, I have to say, ladies and gentlemen, I am very impressed. Correct. Yes. So you could have gone for Da, whose real name is uh, Crispin Jettingham. Yep, the ultimate. I think he's British with a name like Crispin. You pretty much guaranteed. Uh, you've got Willow. So well done to George there. Uh, Caroline Floyd, her name. Uh, you could have gone for Harley. That's Erez Morris. Uh, Party Girl is there. Sienna Fowler. And then you've got Shona, who is Lawrence Kimbala. And then Tweed, Marissa Ronson. Points all round. Well done. Question number three. What are the name of the special hunters in Operation Raccoon City? Uh, happy. Um, is it the elite? <laughs> I'm going to go with elite. Go for the elite. Okay, Star's turn. Well, you've got the the basic hunters, which I think are the alpha, and that's the 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 one two one, and the elite hunter. I think it's called George Trevor. Uh, I had no idea. I I I um I had uh, hunter elites. Aren't they the ones in um in Dead Aim as well? I think you have hunter elites in Dead Aim, don't you? But uh, no, I didn't. I had I no think... idea. I think it's Hunter Elites and Dead Aim and then Elite Hunters in oh. Operation Racket City. Not that I'm helping you. Sorry. No, no, but I had absolutely no idea. I mean, I presumed that they were the same hunters, that, you know, in terms of the timeline that we got. Uh, so, yeah, I can see where Stars is coming with that answer, but I, I, I had no idea. You had no idea. Well, thanks to that correction, Happy, you got the point at the last minute. It is the Elite Hunters. It is not Hunter Elite, which are the ones from Dead Aim. It is Elite Hunters. So, uh, point to Stars Tyrant and happy with that last minute interjection slash correction. Worth saying, right. <laughs> the, the, the Elite Hunter actually look, they look really cool. They do, yeah, they more. do. This is, a, this is a good quiz, isn't it? We're doing well. Op, uh, question number four. What was the name of Leon's uh, Jeep number plate in Remake 2? Again, I'm going to be lenient on what it is, depending on your answers. You don't necessarily have to get the exact numbers, but Right, George. I have no idea. I was trying to think something, you know. It is like, guessable. Yeah. yeah. Oh. So the registration number of his Jeep. Jeep, yeah. I know, RPD1. RPD, <laughs> no, no, that is, that's a guess. Uh, Star Tyrant? I actually had no idea, so I'm going to go completely um, out there and say it's HKVP70, which ah. is the Matilda, um, the actual real world. Um, Heckler and Koch pistol. Yes, yes. Happy? A-D-A-W-8. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You said it so confidently, I was sure you knew. <laughs> <laughs> it so should be, shouldn't it? Oh, Sean, Sean, you're going to kick yourself. The number plate is Matilda. No. m 42 ild 4 Oh, what oh my god! I think you should get half a point for that. Wow. Do you think you should? No, it's fine. It's just wrong. It's it's wrong at the end of the day, isn't it? <laughs> just... you know, you're you're on the right track. My mind was telling me that you're on the completely the right track. Just the oh, never mind, never mind. Live and learn. And finally, question number five was the timeline question. What happens on the sixth of October, nineteen ninety-eight? You have two, two, two events. You can pick any of them. Star Tyrant. 
Um, potentially um, non-canon, depending on what your stance is. But isn't this the date where Nikolai or not Nikolai files his uh, files a report on Raccoon City? Okay. In Survivor, of course. Yeah. Okay. Um, happy. Um, I feel like there might be something going on with the restaurant owner. Um, overhearing something to do with Birkin is my uh, answer. <laughs> oh, just with Birkin. George Trevor. I can't. I don't know. I had a feeling it had something to do with. What game were you thinking? No, I'm too. I went too early. I was thinking Code Veronica, but no, I've got my dates wrong. Um, I'm gonna have to pass. I I can't think. Don't know. Well, no, no. I was thinking something to do with Alfred Ashford initially when you said it, but I can't know. Doing something, but no. Okay, pass. You're passing. Yeah. Points are on offer and points have been given to Happy and Stars Tart, who both got both of them correct. Very good. I mean, very, very impressive. I mean, I could, I, I, I could, I could argue that Sean shouldn't get the point. Um, he files, Nikolai does file a report on the Nemesis, but it's not the date, it's not the one you were thinking of, I would argue. This is, this is, this is one that was definitely written by Nikolai. So this is the report on the nemesis of the 6th of October, not the non-canon one. So you were right, but just about. And uh, Happy, you are spot on. The restaurant manager over here um, hears rumours that Raccoon City's destruct, uh, destruction was brought on because of Birkin. Nice. So, no, I have no good. idea how I remember that. <laughs> Fantastic. So let's have a look at those final scores. So in last place with a solitary point is George Trevor. In second place, with three out of five, was Stars Tyrant. But this week's winner, with an impressive four out of five and making an astonishing debut, it's Happy Spelling. Congratulations, you win the quiz. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I'm honest. I can't. Entrance. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Very done. You've put a shame to uh, one of our best guest performances for a very long time. So congratulations. Yeah. Nice, that's way better than I thought. <laughs> if, if we were able to, I'd smash tins with you right now. <laughs> that does finish the quiz. Join us next time when we'll have some more questions. Okay, we are rapidly approaching the end of uh, episode 81 uh, with that delightful quiz to finish off our retrospective look at Operation Raccoon City. We hope everyone has enjoyed it and it's been a great opportunity just to cast our minds back 10 10 years and see how the landscape has generally changed with this particular game. Coming up next we should be able to review Resident Evil Village Gold Edition. That is due at the end of the month on the 28th so hopefully we'll be able to get our podcast view on that uh, as soon as it's released which would be fantastic. Uh, and then we'll be treading into the dangerous territory, as Sean has mentioned, of Resident Evil 6. So I'd like to thank Happy for joining. Thank you so much for, for coming along. I hope you've enjoyed it. Yes, thank you. Yes, thank you so much for having me. It's been a blast. Excellent. No, no, any time, any time. It's been fantastic. So uh, on that note, it is goodbye from me, Neptune. Goodbye from me, Star Siren. Goodbye from me, George Trevor. Goodbye from me, Happy Smelly. Happy Smelly.